You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 84. But before we do that, just a little bit of an update. My back continues to be, you know, okay. The MRI discovered it was a bulging disc. I'm going to see a back doctor. Can't see the back doctor until the middle of May because he's booked up that far in advance, and that's a typical problem that we have around here with doctors of all kinds, of specialists, not being able to see them for anything like a reasonable period of time. I have off days, I have better days, it's one of those things that's going to, you know, I'm sure oscillate quite a bit and hopefully won't go back to how bad it was before, but just to give you the short version, I am doing far better now. I'm gearing up to watch the Snyder Cut of Justice League, since it's very likely that the DC movies from here on will use that as their reference point. It's already pretty well known that the Flash movie is going to use the Snyder Cut as its reference point. I feel like I better at least be aware of what happens in it. In sort of preparation, I watched the Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman. Which is less of a variation, uh, from what you know. From what I understand, the Snyder cut uses nothing that was actually utilized in the theatrical cut of Justice League. He took different takes or shot new footage for everything that, or cutscenes for everything that he put into the Snyder cut. So it is a completely different movie, even if similar things happen in certain places. So, you know, I'm kind of intrigued by that also. But I haven't been a big fan of the Snyder movies. I haven't really made any (laughs) since episode one we've mentioned that so you know it's no secret that i'm not a big fan of the snyder movies but i'm intrigued enough i'll watch it i'll at least know what's going on and and i do have to say batman v superman was way better in the ultimate edition it's still i still think it has certain problems i still think it has like sort of fundamental flaws sort of the villain motivation lex Luthor's motivation is really really dumb the martha thing is really really dumb and the You know, I mean, when so much hinges on Superman and Lois's relationship, the fact that we never actually saw their relationship actually happen. (laughs) They just randomly kiss in Man of Steel for no reason, and suddenly they're, whoa, they're about to get married. I think that hurt the cast, too, because they had absolutely no chemistry together at all, because I don't think they really felt that their characters were in a place that they should be like, oh, I love you, I love you, you know, like really heavy. And the movie kind of kept them apart for most of it, so it's like they didn't even get a lot of scenes together, so it's kind of like, okay, uh, you know, and then there's the sort of stuff that's more of a personal taste kind of thing. I don't like murderous superheroes, for better or worse. I mean, they have Batman as a rampant killer. Superman killed Zod in Man of Steel. He kills that guy that holds Lois hostage in Batman v Superman. And again, it's one of those things where I'm just, it's not 
I'm not a fan of it, but to me that's less important than the sort of fundamental flaws. But yeah, I am looking forward to Kong vs. Godzilla, though. That's something I'm, uh, I'm far more excited about. So, you know, that's also coming out. And then I'll probably drop HBO Max for several months. I might pick it up again when Dune comes out. Although, I guess that's the other thing that I should mention. As of this recording, in one week, I will get my first COVID shot, both my wife and I. So by May, we should be fully vaccinated and can go to movie theaters again. So actually, I probably won't pick up HBO Max again because by then we'll have our vaccinations and I'll just go see Dune in the movie theater and I won't need to see it on streaming because I'd much rather watch these movies on the movie theater screen. That and the Marvel movies are the things that I'm still looking forward to this year, you know, Dune and Dune and the Marvel movies. So anything else that comes out this year, I'll just get on Netflix when they come to Netflix. And I still have the Netflix disc thing. So even if they don't go to Netflix streaming, you know, Netflix gets the discs when the discs are released. So I get to watch all my movies through Netflix using the discs as my means of doing that. And that's a lot cheaper than subscribing to a bunch of different streaming services. I guess I should also mention that I am, I mean, we're going to do a show on it, but I really, really love Superman and Lois, the new CW show. It is very different from a lot of the other CW shows. It is a very interesting take on Superman. It's very well acted. It's very well written so far. Really excited about it. I, I think it may become my new Arrowverse show, or my favorite Arrowverse show, now that Arrow is gone and Black Lightning, for whatever reason, in this final season has just decided to suck. Still hoping Black Lightning will pick up in the second half, but man, this season has been kind of awful <laughs> this year for Black Lightning, so here's hoping that that kind of picks up. But yeah, Superman and Lois, uh, yeah, great show. Great show. I'm very happy with it. Other than that, Beth and I are picking up Warehouse 13 again. We're still in the very beginning of the series. I think we've seen four episodes, so we, but at least we're making some progress again. Obviously, with all the shows back now, it's hard for us to fit in time for something that's an older thing, but I'm sure as the shows sort of fall away during the summer, we'll, you know, make a lot more headway on Warehouse 13, but we are trying to get through that again. But yeah, I think that's it from my end. So now let's join the podcast already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. And first up, she's someone that you haven't heard in a while. Um, I think she was last with us for the Tolkien podcast. And that is my buddy, Bree. How are you doing, Bree? Hi, doing pretty well. It's been an interesting year. Yeah, <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> so uh, yeah, what's been going on for you in the last, I don't know, year or two since you were on the show, Bree? Yeah, Um Basically just, you know, surviving through COVID. Uh, I'm a freelance writer and marketer for online video companies and lost a few clients, but for some reason, everything started to spring back at the end of 2020. So that was good. Um, so yeah, it was not a terrible year, um, but it wasn't perfect either. So, you know, <laughs> right. excited for this next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's hope, right? <laughs> yes. 21, 21, gonna be better. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I almost said 2120, 2021. All right. Anyway, um, but it's good to have you back on the show, Brie. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. And uh, next up, uh, she is somebody that was on the show for quite a bit for a while, but had to back off due to some personal commitments and stuff. But um, she was with us for episode 100, and I am glad to have her back on this one, too. And that is my buddy, Sam. How are you doing, Sam? Doing okay, you know, <clears throat> surviving like everyone else. Uh, got to see my, you know, I've been seeing my nephew over the 
the course of this because we're in the same bubble, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, Christmas good, New Year's okay. Um, this last week, meh. Um, but you know, we're doing what we can. And um, uh, yeah, I'm a, a, an archivist for an architectural company uh, in Seattle. And uh, so I'm able to work from home. Uh, most of my job is digital now. Uh, don't know when I'm going back in the office, but uh, for now doing okay. And um, and then my spare time, whenever I have it, I write. Um, I, I own and write for my own at website, poparchives.com, which is all about the depiction of archives and archivists in pop culture mediums. So like movies, film, uh, television, comic books, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, and very interesting stuff. And uh, as we talk about in episode 100. So, you know, <laughs> make oh, yeah. sure to school <laughs> more of us, uh, Sam. I inadvertently took over a lot of the episode. <laughs> Because people kept saying things about archives, and I can't not talk about it. <laughs> Don't it was fun, the though. archivist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you back on the show, Sam. Good to be back. All right. And uh, next up, he is somebody that has been on the show quite a few times. He uh, you know, has talked about Voltron. He's talked about various movies and things. And that is my buddy, Eric. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. All right. And what have you been up to since the last time you were on the show, Eric? Uh, staying gainfully employed, playing video games with my daughter, uh, just living. All right. Well, that is that is better than the alternative. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. No. So uh, anything anything exciting going on? Like, uh, I don't know, uh, playing any new games or anything? Uh like uh, my daughter likes going through our Switch collection and trying out various games. She's really gotten into uh, Legend of Zelda, and I, you know that's kind of a mark of pride for me. Mm. And like, like she just sits down and plays it. I don't teach her how to play it; she just does it, and it, it's just wow. Is that the original? Uh, it's a remake of uh, Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. Oh, okay. And it, like upgraded graphics and and everything it's a fun game you should give it a try all right very cool yeah when do you progress her to hades uh when does that happen <laughs> uh that's not a game that i have or no. have even really looked at but uh most of what i play is rpgs there's a nice one coming out in may or sorry not may march march uh the sequel to bravely default that should be pretty fun Okay. Yeah, no, uh, it's good to uh, have stuff to play. And I probably played more video games than I have, you know, since before the quarantine, you know, for, for quite a few years, although that still isn't much. But, you know, every once in a while, the kids and I will sit down and do Mario Kart or something. So, you know, playing a little bit of getting a little bit of gaming time in. <laughs> Let the video flow through you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Eric. Good to be back. All right. And finally, uh, someone who's relatively new to the 42 cast. She's someone that I met through uh, the Pop Pop Con Con uh, con virtual convention that we had uh, in 2020. And that is my buddy, Kimmy. How are you doing, Kimmy? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Um, let's see. I'm a fourth grade teacher. So my life is very different now that I'm teaching remotely. Um, and I have an eight month old daughter who has not known anything but the the, the quarantine and pandemic. So at least life is steady and you know i didn't plan to be a stay-at-home mom so 
that's kind of a, an interesting twist. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been neat actually in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, there's awful things and it's scary in a lot of ways, but it's given me a lot more time to do, like you're saying, playing video games is always important. Um, and also writing, I write tabletop RPGs for, um, my company, Golden Lasso Games, uh, don't know why I'm on the Wonder Woman podcast, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, so I've had a lot more time to do that, which is so that's been pretty neat. And I've gotten two games that I'm working on for 2021. Oh, very cool. Can you say anything about those? Uh, sure. Yeah, um, I am writing one that's a kid's game about being different types of unicorns. Just super fun. They get to pick which type of unicorn they want to be. Um, yeah, I, I was a horse girl growing up. So that's like my own little like dream there. Um, and then the other one I'm writing um, is a uh, Powered by the Apocalypse hack. Um, and it's basically, um, there's one Powered by the Apocalypse game called Monster of the Week, which you can kind of play any type of like monster game. It's like you can play, um, you know, Supernatural, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, X-Files, anything of that kind of genre. Um, it's meant to kind of recreate those type of TV shows. I'm writing one that is doing the same for sci-fi shows. So you can play Star Trek or you can play um, Stargate or, you know, Battlestar Galactica or Farscape or any of those. So it kind of is the same type of template where you can play any of those. And I'm working with a really talented artist from Chile and it's just, it's turning out really good. I'm very excited. Kimmy, did we just become best friends? <laughs> I think we might have, especially when you're talking about your archivist stuff. I was like, oh, I love that. Like the show, okay, like the show, The Librarians. And I'm like, no, no, they're not librarians, they're archivists. Oh, oh, you just stuck your foot in your mouth there. We, we had a long conversation in episode 100 that a library is not an archive. It's not, they're archivists, they're not librarians. Archivists, it's even iffy. Um, yeah, true, also true. They're Definitely not, not librarians. Yeah, no. <laughs> kind of smart people who run around and do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. But still. But I appreciate but I think we are, appreciate we are best friends now. Yeah, we're best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 game sounds really fascinating, Kimmy. I, I would Thanks. definitely uh yeah I'm be interested in it when it comes out. I'm, so yeah, I'm thank also you. interested in the unicorn one. Oh. <laughs> uh check out goldenlassogames.com and there'll be updates there soon. Those are, I, those, they're so early. Like I'm just doing like rudimentary art with the artists of both. So they're probably out like late 2021. Okay, very cool. Yeah. I'm already sold. So. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, so, I mean, this is totally off topic, but just for a second, uh, my, I, I have a gaming group that we, because we all live in different places, we like meet together once a year and we do Memorial Day weekend and we do four days of gaming. And they're like, I'm so starved for gaming. We have to do a week this next year. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about gaming quite a bit lately. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's very interesting because I also, want to try out yeah i'm mostly D, D, even though i've played other things but that's mostly what i run but i've been like wanting to run other things and i've been like i want to go the other way and do sci-fi next time so you know oh, that's i the... i will introduce you to all the tabletop rpgs that are not D. &D. i have that's my specialty is the non D, &D rpg okay <laughs> gotcha oh i've played quite a few i, yeah. I just haven't run any so oh. yeah no but so right uh, before quarantine happened i ran honey heist for my oh, friends yeah. Nice. For the first time, like my first time DMing anything ever, mm. mostly because I wanted to do it. It was supposed to be around Emerald City Comic Con, but that got canceled. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so there, it was supposed to be my birthday present that we were going to do a, a game group kind mm -hmm. of thing. And then I ended up running the game for my birthday. 
<laughs> Happy birthday, your GM. Woo! <laughs> Haven't done it since, but trying to do it again. Yeah. 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 On, on, on the unicorn topic, I also have the uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic RPG. It's just sitting nice. here, but I have it. <laughs> I have another one that I really like called uh, Laser Ponies, which is about mm. little ponies. It's kind of a little bit of a My Little Pony knockoff, but they shoot lasers from their eyes. <laughs> super cute RPG. You can pick it up for like $2. Sounds if you look right. for it. It's amazing. Do. And the, nice. the author had his little daughter like do all the illustrations for it. So they're all like cute little girl drawings. I'm just like, I love this RPG so much. Sorry. It's a Lisa Frank nightmare skate, but I love it. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> If you can find it, give uh, big eyes, small mouth a look. Oh yeah, yeah. They just they just uh, redid that. There's a fourth edition now that just mm -hmm. came out uh, earlier this year. Nice. Or earlier, I mean, late in 2020. <laughs> We're in a new year now, Nathan. Um, but... So now we've learned that every time Kimmy's on the podcast, it goes into tabletop gaming and stops being about the topic that it's right. actually supposed yeah. to be about. Yes. <laughs> Same thing happened when we talked about travelers. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. But yes, no, it is good to have you on the show, uh, Kimmy. And okay. we actually should do a gaming podcast at some point. So we, that can actually be the topic. And then, of course, we'll probably get sidetracked by something else. And totally. Talk about yeah. That, and and so. we'll cosplay. Talk about Wonder Woman. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah we need to do a cosplay one too because that's like oh that's the true yeah. thing I do. oh my wife would love that so yes, yeah no excellent. we can yeah <laughs> all right but um yeah no it's uh yeah good to have you on the show kimmy thanks you're welcome all right uh but yeah um we're not gonna have a five minute controversy uh for this one because uh we got four guests on and uh I think we have enough to talk about with Wonder Woman 84 <laughs> to fill out the time. And uh, so, yeah, we're just going to pause now for the promo from another fine podcast. Here at the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, we make every show from the finest ingredients. Juicy interviews, fiery film nights, delicious desert island DVDs. And pack it all into a slice of life in every episode. Order up our specials now from your delivery guys. Sean from Canada. Dan from Kent in the UK. And Paul from near Liverpool in the UK. Here on the ESO Network. The Cosmic Pizza Podcast. Serving you a slice of life. Mmm-mmm. And we're back. And like I talked about at the top of the show, we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 84, um, when which Sam and Bree, of course, were on our original Wonder Woman podcast where we talked about the first movie. Um, but I, before we talk about Wonder Woman 84, since Kimmy and Eric were not on that episode, I do want to just get a very brief you know, uh, your opinion on, you know, Wonder Woman played by Gal Gadot. I mean, you can talk, mention a little bit about her from BBS also, and just the, the Gal Gadot portrayal, as well as the movie itself, Wonder Woman, you know, uh, how, how you felt about the character and the film before this one. Um, and so, Kimmy, why don't we start with you? Uh, what did you think about the original Wonder Woman? I adored it. Um, I actually, at the time, I was a very active blogger um, about uh, about comic books and things like that. And I actually was part of a fan film that came out in 
2014, I think that was like a short Wonder Woman trailer. Um, and that actually, uh, it was by Rainfall Films and I was lucky enough to, uh, to be involved in that. Um, and my husband made it. Uh, and, uh, that was sort of actually the kickoff because we got like over a million views in the first 24 hours or something. It, it went super viral and it basically, um, we've been told by Warner brothers is what kicked off their adding Wonder Woman to their cinematic universe. Cause at the first they thought, Hey, that isn't actually a legitimate thing. No one's going to like her. That's why she seems sort of like wedged into Batman versus Superman, Batman v Superman. I'm sorry. Batman Everything seemed wedged into BVS. So yes, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Right, yeah, yeah, let's like, not. We, talk about we've ragged on that movie enough on the show. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, you can but, always rag on it more. I mean, come on, it's that bad. Right. <laughs> yes, okay. Sam did a three-hour podcast she... <laughs> just about ragging on that movie. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. 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 But if you look at the timeline, they actually added her really late in production to that movie, which is why there's a lot of weird stuff and why uh, it's a little, like, uh, along with everything else, a little weird in there. Uh -huh. um, so, I mean, I, I went into that very nervous. I am a huge Wonder Woman fan. I have been since I was a little girl, like a lot of a lot of nerd women, like she was kind of our first like, like representation in nerd media. Um, and regardless of her actual place in comics, um, she's always been at the forefront of their merchandise. So no matter, you know, no matter if we weren't able to find a woman, Wonder Woman comic for a while, or if she, you know, if it wasn't a very good run, we've always been able to have Wonder Woman thermoses, Wonder Woman lunchboxes, Wonder Woman everything. Like I still have my Wonder Woman thermos from when I was like in elementary school. Um, and, you know, and before that, you know, we had um, Linda Carter, you know, one of the first, one of the only shows we could see a woman kind of at the forefront. Um, so I think she holds a very dear place in a lot of non-men's, you know, nerd hearts. And uh, she, and so I was I was scared, honestly. I was I was one of those people who who saw the other Snyder films and was just very disappointed. It was a very mild way of saying that. And again, not going down that rabbit hole. So I was scared and nervous. Um, I liked Patty Jenkins' work. Um, I honestly wasn't really familiar with Gal Gadot other than um, her being in the Fast and Furious movies and getting someone's fingerprints with her ass. Um, so I, I was a little like, okay, but she looked great in the part. Um, and actually, as much as I dislike Zack Snyder's choices with the cinematic universe, he actually has a very good eye for casting even if I don't really care for his movies. Um, and so I was like, okay, like, like this could be great. And as they were rolling it up, like I did a bunch of blog posts at the time about like the, the, the trailers they were releasing and things like that. I was lucky enough, I got invited to an early premiere um, at YouTube studios. Um, so I was like literally in tears. I was so nervous about hating this movie because I was the one who went to Man of Steel and was like, yes, oh, you know, Henry Cavill's the best. This is gonna be so, he's perfect for Superman. And then again, just as like it went, I just got quieter. And then I was like, yeah, that was a good movie, right? That was a good, oh, oh that, was a, that wasn't a good movie. That wasn't a good movie. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going into Wonder Woman. I'm so nervous. I'm just like mm -hmm. stiff. And I just remember sitting in this like preview, small preview theater and my husband's like holding my hand. It's like very weird. And, um. And then at the ends, like, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I think that was good. 
I think that was good. And I'm like questioning my own opinion of it. Like, am I just desperate for this to be good? Is it, was it really good? And I look at my husband and I'm like, that was, that was good. Right. Like I'm, I'm not just biased. That was good. He's like, no, that was really good. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, and it's just like loved it. And I, you know, especially like, like the part on Themyscira at the beginning when she's younger um, and just the way they brought the Amazons to life was so true to um, George Perez and his writing um, in the comics, which is what I kind of like glommed onto as a kid as far as like runs in the comic books. Um, and I actually have his whole run like in plastic, like in my house. Um, so I just, I just adored it. I thought it was great. Um, I, there were flaws for me with the third act um, I felt that was a little bit Snyderized, but for most of the other film, I was very pleased with it. I liked her. Um, I, I liked her uh, her depiction of Wonder Woman. I liked that they incorporated her accent into the other Amazons, so it seemed like a you know, uh, well, it was kind of odd to have like an Israeli accent for all the Amazons. It made it at least kind of like a there's a continuity there um, that seemed like part of a culture. And um, yeah, no, I really liked it. And I thought, especially the writing and um, uh, the way they did the action scenes was fantastic. Like seeing women do these incredible fight scenes and like, and having it not just be like, oh, she's super powered. So she's the only one who could fight. Like having like realistic women, uh, you know, doing these things. Like, like, like they were real women doing these stunts out there. And, you know, if you, you actually look into the stunt team that were the Amazons and things like that, like these are all incredible athletes that just, you know, and they bonded at this cool sisterhood. They had to have like this awesome, like movie camp for a few weeks out in this beautiful place. And it's just, it's just amazing. And I think most of the, the people I know, especially non-men who watched it, like we're in tears in those first scenes because that's not something that we've really had in movies where you're looking at a whole scene of, you know, these women who are badass and powerful and just have like nothing to do with guys. And it's not that, it's not that they, you know, it's not in like a negative way, like, oh, we need stuff that doesn't have men in it, but it's just so refreshing because we're so used to the opposite where you look over a, you know, a battlefield and there's like two women and they're in bikini armor. And then it's like, you know, this is just the opposite. And it was just so casual and so well done and so just natural feeling for it to be like that. And just, I was in tears a bunch during the movie and it was just really amazing. Okay, very nice, Kimmy. Sorry, that was very ranty. Yeah, right, yeah, like, <laughs> a very, a very nice and and long, uh, short description. Sorry. About I apologize. Well. No, I can tell you were enthusiastic about the topic. Very enthusiastic, yes. <laughs> and you had a lot of energy, which was good. Yeah. And, Feel and, free and, to know, edit that down. <laughs> and 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 you know, and as much as I rag on BVS, I'll say that she was the best thing about that movie. Absolutely. Like when, when, you know, Diana was on the screen or during the fight with Doomsday, like her smiling when she realizes that she can fight someone on like her full level. That's like one of like the best scene, like parts of that movie is I was yeah. like, Ooh, this is interesting. She smiled after being punched like, and knocked around. Like, like that's, okay, that's cool. A, you know, a genuine character moment. For right. Um, so Eric, uh, yeah, if you could just briefly tell us, you know, what were, what was your opinion on the original Wonder Woman and on, uh, you know, Gal Gadot's uh, performance? <clears throat> I thought Gal Gadot did a very good job. Uh, I, my history with DC is not as extensive as it is with Marvel, but Wonder Woman, it has always been 
one of my top three in that universe. And I thought the movie was great. I loved it. I had a lot of fun with it and uh, very little complaints. And that's, and, and complaining about movies is like my hobby. Right. <laughs> so I was a little worried when I asked you what you thought about it. It's like, <laughs> I wonder what we're going to get here. So, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I mean, like I would have to go out of my way to find something to complain about that movie. Mm. So that is very high praise coming from me. <laughs> um, so yeah, now we're going to switch things up a little bit and talk about Wonder Woman 84, <laughs> which you might not have to go out of your way. And, 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 and you know, I'm being a little flippant here, but um, because we did kind of talk before the, the thing, so I know how everybody kind of feels about the movie, but I will say that I'm not sure I've ever felt the level of whiplash that I have going from a movie to its sequel as I have with Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84. I mean, people have compared it to Iron Man 2 and Iron Man, and I would say that even that is not to the same level as between Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84. I mean, I had problems with Iron Man 2, but I didn't feel it, 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 it the, the change was that, as drastic as the change in this one, so. Highlander um, to Highlander 2. Oh! oh. Yeah, see, you that's why expert, I should actually right. think about it before I talk, because, yeah, that's, <laughs> you're right. That's <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, okay, so let's kick things off here. Um, you know, overall opinions. Sam, uh, what was your overall opinion of Wonder Woman 84? Oh, you're going to have me kicking off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, overall, when I first watched it, it's it's so underwhelming at the end of the day. Like it just, it asks, it asks for you to suspend your disbelief on a lot of things that the movie doesn't deliver on what you were expecting to just, you know, uh, uh, suspend your disbelief on. It has a lot of opinions about how words sound and that they have meaning apparently like truth and love and beauty and everything else you heard in Moulin Rouge. Um, but <laughs> It also doesn't put any more depth beyond the shallowness of using those words. Um, it's also a movie that still manages to center around the feelings of men instead of the feelings of women. Um, uh, I have a. I still continue, I, and I don't remember what I said in our for, in the episode about Wonder Woman original, <laughs> Wonder Woman classic, uh, but. I'm still, I'm still not, I don't like the change in the origin story in that she's not crafted from clay, uh, from the earth, because that has the fact that they have centered a lot more of her powers and personality traits and everything around the fact that Zeus is her father is, has, I think, been detrimental to the character growth. Um, because what you have here is you have a Greek a Greek goddess, a demigod, basically, but she—you have no reference to any of the Greek goddesses that should mm -hmm. be helping her out here. Like, can you imagine the the um, what is it? The invisible jet scene. If she had talked about her blessings from Artemis, goddess of the hunt, and been like, you know, a hunter needs to be invisible. They need to be stealthy. So. Poof, there's that blessing taken care of. If you had had the blessings of Athena, goddess of war and craftsmanship and wisdom up against Ares, the god of war in the first movie, or Aphrodite, or there's all these um, 
Chthonic gods like uh, the Furies, there's Nemesis, there's Discord, you know, or, or Eris or whatever. You have all of these options available to you. And what do you do? Zeus, Ares, and some unknown trickster god of the universe. It's just like who? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know, but apparently they they wiped the minds out because that's a thing we have to pretend with. I, I wanted them to cut to that guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like I'm Starler. Who? You know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just it's so it it gets to be more frustrating after a while mm. because. This is DC's flagship female character. This is the character who stood out the most from Batman versus Superman because of what a slog that was. Mm. The first movie has its problems, yeah. Uh, but you can forgive a lot of it because that that uh, no man's land bit was awesome, and the you know her going through the the church tower was amazing, and it was just you can understand taking her out of Themyscira into the world of men. That makes sense in terms of what that movie is doing. This movie, however, is, is, is still neglecting her role as a woman and the importance of that and how she uh, interacts with people, how she interacts with the world. And the fact that they made it into this kind of cluster F of, uh, of like, it has to be big or bold or it's not a superhero movie. Like, no, this could have been a much smaller scale movie and would have been much more intimate and worth your time if it had been about the relationship between her and Barbara instead of her and Steve in a really weird rape scenario that happens and stuff. So overall, not great after I continue to think about it and as I'm talking about it right now. Well, we did talk in the first movie about how problematic it was that before the movie even starts, they had wiped out all the gods except for Ares, you know, like they were all dead, you yeah. know, like, 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 and so it was like, it's kind of hard to work them in now other than I guess with like just artifacts or whatever they find like they did in this one, but. Fast and loose with continuity as it is already, it's right. not a hard thing to be like, oh, gods totally weren't dead. Right. <laughs> uh, turns out they were in hiding the whole time. Whatever. It's right. the gods. They can do whatever they want. They're gods. Right. <laughs> you were uh, thought we were dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. My God. My problem with the my other problem with the invisibility thing is okay. Well, they establish later that her powers are draining, but yet she's able to do something she's never been able to do before. Yeah. You know, and and do it really well and on something really large. You know, just because it the plot required it. Did and it because really, did the plot really require uh, I mean, kind of, just to like, so nobody could follow them. I mean, it was sure. really so that somebody could be like, we had an invisible jet. Also, but, I'm you know. pretty sure that the jets at the at the Smithsonian archives don't work. I, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, All right. If that's where we're going, Steve with like the technological knowledge of 1918 <laughs> can fly a modern jet with no training. <laughs> right. <laughs> That was the thing I was just like, you know, because, okay, maybe it is just like a restored vehicle that can actually fly for some reason. But no, I, no. I'm, I'm going to say, like, as, as someone who works in <laughs> <laughs> Smithsonian, who knows people who work in D.C., that thing isn't going to fly unless Diana develops electricity powers. I mean, Zeus, maybe, but you know, <laughs> and magically gets like 
like gas into it. Like right, that's, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. I told my oh. husband, even if he did know how to how to fly it, even if there were some similarities, why was there randomly gas at least in that plane? All right, I'm gonna call <laughs> it right now though, having seen the inside of a biplane, it is not the same thing no. to fly a biplane. <laughs> like, is it like he knew like the, the switches to flick and everything? <laughs> like those planes from World War One, vastly different than a jet engine. <laughs> Is is anybody going to bring up the fact that making it invisible would not stop? That's why. Well, well, that's too. the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my wife and I talked about that too. Yeah, well, that's a, that I'm okay with because it's like, ooh, magic. It's like yeah, godly right. magic. Yeah, it's like okay, but like, why is it parked on a runway? There's not a runway in the middle of the Smithsonian. <laughs> Like, why is they there a control have- tower? All right, all right, guys, let's, let's- does not have a private airport. No. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's 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 just table this for now. We're we're gonna talk about <laughs> things that don't make sense. That was one of the things I planned on talking about. I thought that was um, a movie. <laughs> right. But Brie, uh, what were your overall thoughts of uh, Wonder Woman eighty four? Um, so I'm going to clarify again, like I did last time, that I went into. Wonder Woman stuff, not having read the comics before in the past, but starting to delve into the comics and the history before I saw the first Wonder Woman. So I'm not, I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable, I would say, as as most of you, but I've always had an interest in strong storytelling, strong characters, and the way that's portrayed in films. I've I've watched films since I was like a kid, almost anything I could get my hands on if possible, if I have the time. Um, I even did digital media and like film, some film studies courses in college and stuff. And so like Kimmy, massively high praise for the first movie. Lo- I, I loved it. I was just shocked that DC actually took a chance and put something really good out, right? <laughs> uh, I had high hopes for this one too. And I went into it, I was at home, uh, sorry, I was in, in California with relatives there with my husband's side of the family. I begged them all to let us watch it, <laughs> signed up for HBO, put it on. And like, I'm sitting there watching it. And like, I was drinking at the time, like, cause I was like, this is so excited, vacation, gonna watch this. So I'm like drinking and I like, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, okay. Like, eh, okay. And then it just kind of ended. And I was like, I don't really know what to think about that one. I don't know what to think. Um, kind of like Samantha said, I felt the film, while it didn't fully take away from female, like her female empowerment, because she still used ideas of hope and love and and female goodness essentially to to beg the world not to do this, and they didn't, and that's super hopeful. But I totally agree that a lot of the focus was put on um, Maxwell's character. Which don't get me wrong, Pascal, I think his his acting is phenomenal, right? Um, you can totally see like the whole like Trumpism in him, and it's fantastic. But but yeah, like for some reason we were all led to believe with the trick that this would be more about Cheetah and her. Uh, maybe you know Pedro would have given like a little bit of help to Cheetah, and Cheetah would have been the ultimate enemy. No, it it was still Pedro and. Again, I would I would agree with Sam there that that was disappointing that it pulled so much away from the the two female characters to focus on him. Um, I also found it a little weird that so in the first movie, right, Eris is the god of war. He was a bad guy. His consequence was that she killed him. You you're not allowed to be this terrible of a person to the world. Therefore, I'm going to get rid of you, even though I know it's a hard thing to do. 
in this movie, and I understand they were trying to go for a very hopeful, redemptive message, but Maxwell's actions had no consequences at all at the end of the film. And like, great, it's good he's trying to rectify things with his son and be a better person, all that. But it would have been nice to see a bad guy, actual bad guy's problems and bad things that he did be rec- be somehow have consequences, right? Um, so that wasn't there, that was disappointing because let's be honest, like as much as we want to be in a hopeful world, if someone's a, a bad person, think there, con- there should be consequences. Um, I didn't have as much of a problem with Steve coming back. Um, I thought his character, despite, I know one of the problems we'll bring up later, <laughs> I still think his character is, uh, he, he definitely was more of, she latched onto him more right in this movie, but I still think his character was meant to be there as a supportive person being like, you can't hold on to me. Like, I know you love me and I love you and we love each other, but you can't do this for me. You have to do this for the world. So I still think he was written well enough, like as a Steve character that I was okay with him being in there again. But yeah, in general, just wish there'd been more Cheetah, like, her and Barbara, Diana and Barbara could have done so much more together. They're, I, I think the glimpse into their developing relationship when they were sitting at the table over drinks was fantastic. I wanted to see more of that and exactly why Barbara started to get jealous of her. Um, so I wish, yeah, it, it was just, there was a lot more that could have been done, like so much more, I think. So yeah, that's kind of what I thought. All right, Eric, what were your overall thoughts on Wonder Woman 84? Overall, I was pretty neutral on the movie. If you walked into it without any prior knowledge of what a Wonder Woman is or what comics are or what movies are, it was fine. Uh, just get your popcorn, eat it, and then you're done. <laughs> so like a blank slate. <laughs> no movies, no comics, no nothing. I know nothing about anything. If you are a newborn. Right, yeah, if you're a newborn. <laughs> and this is your first exposure to film. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like my daughter still didn't like it. Oh, like, okay. Eight months. There you go. He's got his taste. I approve. <laughs> but once you start, you know, applying critical thought to it and comparing it to its source material it starts to fall apart quickly. Uh, Like my biggest gripe would have to be uh, Maxwell Lord. He wasn't anything like he was in the comics. It it is a brand new character with no, no uh, ref or no connection to, to its reference. And it's just absolutely two completely different characters, two completely different situations. Uh, the the dreamstone like i had to go and look up what that was because i did not remember it at all and it's completely different in the comics but, you know that's okay as far as the movie's concerned because you know like you don't have to be 100% faithful to your so- source material but you know there should be something there besides just you know, like oh you know like just a name but uh the second biggest uh, crime, I guess you could say, the movie was Cheetah herself. Uh, Barbara, Minerva, Barbara Minerva, I think that's the one they used. Uh, she's her own character. She has her own powers, her own abilities, her own motivations. And the movie just turned her into Diana Light. 
I like, you know, like they took two completely different characters and smushed them together to make a like versus like fight that we've seen a hundred thousand times before. And it was disappointing. They could have done so much more with it. And, and then outside of just random silliness, like Chris Pine's entire character, uh, did they really need to cast two actors for that role? <laughs> you went, like, well, well, if they if they were going for making it disturbing, then yeah, they did have to. Cast I mean, like it it kind of would have been cool if during the film, you know, like if Diana wasn't specifically looking at uh, Chris Pine, if it wasn't Chris Pine, if it was the original actor, mm-hmm. well, then like she looks and something like, that would have had like some interest to it but but they wanted us to forget i mean this is the thing here's what i think about this is that they wanted us to forget that he was actually inhabiting the body of another person because that was something they totally avoided like even like other than like very much in the beginning then it was like they because like there's no concern ever from either of them that hey what about this person's life it was more about what are our feelings and what about the threat to the world it was never about the life of the person that he had replaced the fact that they, I don't even know why they did that. Like, if she wished for Steve, why doesn't Steve just show mm-hmm. up? Like that. I mean, it's 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 so mind-boggling that they went with that route instead of just like. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chris Pine is there, and yay! And then we don't just think about the the very real connotations of what just happened here. And everybody else, mm-hmm. they 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 make their wish. They instantly get it. And then they instantly pay the price. Oh, well, you know, Diana makes her wish and Chris kind of comes back and her price kind of gets paid, dragged out through the entire movie. And I wish the the wishing stone had been more, you know, uh, abrupt in in terms of like, you know, out there and focused on what it was doing. (laughs) I still want to know why his watch started ticking again. What does that have to do with bringing him back? Well, clearly that watch was his Horcrux, and when he came back, it started working. <laughs> Steve Trevor, known uh, known Horcrux. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, you 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 had you had several problems with it, right, Eric? And and, and then like they fight, and it's not even like uh, interesting. Yeah. Or it, like it's not even like they struggle with each other because they're the same. It's just like once Wonder Woman starts fighting for real, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... yeah, I, I get that Patty Jenkins didn't want to necessarily do the same like you know battle to the death thing that happened with Ares, and she wanted a different kind of ending and everything. But yeah, I was really underwhelmed by a lot of the action uh, in this movie, and you know. You have certain expectations going to a comic book movie and the fact that Wonder Woman is so powerful, you know, you kind of want to see that action, you know, transpire within the movie. Um, like uh, Kristen Wiig's character, they called her Cheetah. Why? She didn't, like, she didn't have... an apex ha- predator, don't you know? She didn't... She wants to be an apex predator. <laughs> Even she though didn't cheetahs have aren't the apex any... predators of Africa. <laughs> she didn't have any cat powers. She didn't... Mm-hmm look like a cat she didn't go through the cool. ritual and the curse that turned her into the cat person that she is she's just like i like leopard print yeah 
Yeah, that 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 was the reason. Yeah. This is the eighties. But yet she didn't call herself leopard. I don't know. But I'm a jaguar. <laughs> okay. I mean, are All we right, just calling so... yourselves cat names now? Okay, cool. All <laughs> right. So let's round this out, Kimmy. What did you think about the movie? <sighs> Uh, I was incredibly disappointed with the movie. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I don't expect everything to match source material. Uh, I would, I prefer that with Wonder Woman specifically, but the biggest problem I had with this movie was just the bad writing. Like there's a pace and there's rules to writing any story and especially movies that have to be very concise stories to fit into a certain time frame. Uh, you, you have to set up the rules of your universe and stick with them. And this movie didn't, it kept moving the goalposts of what the rules were. Um, the conversation we were just having about the Dreamstone is, is one of them. It's very clear when you watch the movie that the Dreamstone worked one way in the beginning of the script and a different way in the back of the script. The reason, um, and this is just for me obsessing over this, it may be wrong, but um, the reason that uh, that Chris Pine takes over another person's body is because at the beginning of the movie, the Dreamstone takes a price from somebody else besides the person making their wish. So Diana wants Chris, uh, wants uh, Steve Trevor to have a life. So another person loses his life. Cheetah, um, Barbara Minerva wants Diana's powers. So Diana loses her powers. So that's that what I thought was happening at first too. Set- yeah, yeah, and that's very clear how it's setting it up. And I don't know if they decided that was too too deep or if it wasn't coming across clearly. So then they switched it partway through the scripts or if it was just badly written from the beginning. And then it switches at the end where it's like, oh, just you never know who's going to pay the price for it. And then, you know, Maxwell Lord can demand whatever price he wants. It, it just... I- I thought they needed to find a way that that stone worked and stick with it. And they didn't. And then like everybody gets one wish except Barbara Minerva gets two wishes because we need her now to turn into a cat. Uh, it's I just, will say that it was a, it was one just a of the writers mess. is Jeff Johns, which yes. I feel like makes the most sense as to why this doesn't gel and why everyone's talking about their feelings out loud as if no one understands nuance. (laughs) No one can can emote, we have to say it. Well, it's like Uh, the the dinner scene with Barbara and Diana. Like when mm -hmm. we cut to it, she says, you're so funny. Like Kristen Wiig did nothing funny. You have to show us she's funny. Don't tell me she's funny. I know Kristen Wiig's funny, let her be funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Sorry. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and that's no, no. You're you're exactly right. You're you know the setups and the payoffs aren't there. Like they 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 have to say everything because none of it uh, is connected with other things. Like they set up this amazing uh, thing about the the golden warrior and truth in the first scene, which was my favorite part of the movie. Is back on Themyscira, shocking, I'm sure, to all of you that I liked <laughs> the Themyscira part. Um, you know, they they set up this lesson that Diana learns as a child. Um, and then it never really is paid off anywhere. So they spent all this time and it would be so easy to, to, to incorporate that into the story and they, they didn't. And so there's all these moments that you're like, oh, this is gonna pay off later and they don't. Um, and like one little example is like, oh, they're in the jet. And then it's like, oh, it's the 4th of July magically because we wanna be flying through fireworks. Like this is just like a very small, like nitpicky example, but it's like, you're in Washington DC and you didn't know till this very moment that it's the 4th of July. She forgets a lot of things in that scene. She forgets about radar. She yeah. forgets the 4th of July. Yeah, it's just the strange. And and there's just all these things. It's like, if 
and you know, at the beginning, it's like, okay, there's Fourth of July stuff happening everywhere in town. You know, oh, there's a parade. Oh, there's Fourth of July red, white, and blue decorations everywhere. Like it's simple things like that that just made it seem like this was movie written by improv. <laughs> that oh, it's Fourth of July now. It's like there's just no setups and payoffs for it in the script. So when when this movie was first announced. I I was worried because of the fact that they only gave it two years. And this has always been my thing. My thing has always been give a sequel three years at least. Because Iron Man 2, another, you know, we already brought it up. Two years from Iron Man 1, they didn't have the time to give the script its polish. And that was originally, this movie was slated for 2019. And everyone's, oh, well, no, no, no. That Wonder Woman was so good. Patty Jenkins will make sure, you know, it's going to be perfect. And, and Nathan, you're just this naysayer, blah, blah, blah. And the thing was, then it was moved back to 2020. And I was like, no, this is a good thing because that means that they decided that, hey, you know, it actually needs some polish or whatever. And we're going to give it the time that it needs to really develop it properly. And so while everybody was like, oh, this is awful. DC's kicking it back. And oh, they're, they're denying us our Wonder Woman sequel. I was like, no, 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 guys, this is good. They don't want to give us a bad movie because they know how important Wonder Woman, you know, one great female-led superhero movie isn't enough you know you need you need you need to keep delivering right you know and so they're going to give it its time well i think that they actually just moved the date and actually didn't use that time for anything yeah. because like this feels like a movie that was rushed into production yeah also patty jenkins has proven she's a fantastic director mm. um but i don't think she should write the movies and that's one of the other big changes that happened between the original wonder woman and this is patty jenkins is one of the main writers on it like you were saying to jeff johns um and i i think that was a bad call i think they needed to to keep that people are screenwriters for a reason like that is a craft it is separate um than directing it is separate than acting it is a very specific talent that you have in a in a craft you have to hone it's not something that you can be like, oh, I did the first movie, I directed it, so I can make this one great. You know, I, maybe if she takes a few years and hones that skill, then, you know, she can do that. But I, I think you really need to kind of respect the craft that is screenwriting, which is different than novel writing and everything else, and have someone who is a screenwriter write that script. Mm. Yeah. It, and you also totally have one woman, uh, like, it's it's you have three screenwriters because there's another there was another dude so you have two men and one woman all of them white mm -hmm. writing this movie and yeah. one of the one of the bigger criticisms i've seen and um i would encourage a lot of people to go watch uh, princess weeks uh on youtube she she's a writer for the mary sue but she also has her own channel um and she did she did, does like a probably like a 45 minute video about wonder woman but centers it from her experience as a queer black femme mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter that wonder woman who is who is a canonically bisexual icon yeah a, a queer icon who uh, like she has an amazing rogues gallery of ridiculous magic mythological characters that you could have drawn on the fact that none of them have been featured or represented or the fact that you know we we got maybe glimpses of people of color, but no substantial people of color in the main cast. You know, this, these are, these are things that it, it just feels like, you know, the fans are trying to give credit to a movie that does very little to earn credit, um, right. especially in the second one. I mean, there's, I think a lot of leeway was given to the first, you know, for, for various reasons and, and fine, that's great. But they had, their job was to do better. Right. And they didn't do better. So it's like, could you imagine if 
So Circe is a Greek mythological sorceress and also part of Wonder Woman's rogues gallery. Mm -hmm. What if Circe had shown up and she was the one granting wishes? She was the one giving all this stuff to like tempting cheetah, you know, all, you know, all the, these things that you can use to incorporate the rogues gallery, the mythos, the everything that makes it still centered on women yeah. because that's what Diana has going for her. Not the fact that she fights all the bad guys, but she fights all the baddies. And a lot of them in terms of her book happen to be female centered or, or femme centered, you know? Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that, Sam. That's a really interesting angle to bring up because I know a lot of people complained about the first movie not having more women in it. Mm -hmm. But the crazy thing is she... Diana went to war with um, Sammy and and um, Chief, and those were those were, uh, albeit they were males, but they yeah. were actors of color. Mm -hmm. And Nappy uh, Chief was also implied to be Nappy, a, a Native American god mm -hmm. historically, and they kind of didn't do anything with that. But I I'm in Arizona, and there's a lot of Native Americans, Navajo, um, and Hopi Indians around here. I read a Navajo article by a Navajo writer, and he was stoked that they brought in Nappy mm -hmm. into Wonder first Wonder Woman movie. He was like, this is one of the first times I think my people have ever seen a, a real representation of ourselves in big Hollywood, right? Yeah. But yeah, despite them being men, it was still somewhat diverse. But then, yeah, this new movie, it's like, well, this movie felt like it only had four characters. I yeah. mean, it was yeah. it was Steve, Diana, and and Maxwell Lord and Barbara, and that was it. Like everyone else was yeah. like a cardboard cutout thing that, that just had to say some lines and then was gone. Total so stereotype. we had to right, yeah. and so <laughs> well, and I think so nothing of the Islamophobia that's going on uh, and all this stuff in the Middle East. I mean, if you're going to bring Bialya, which is a DC like their version of a Middle Eastern country, you have Queen Bee. Queen mm -hmm. Bee from Bialya controls men's minds. I mean, I shouldn't have to write the movie for you, but like, I feel like I'm well, doing it. Yeah, actually, I actually did. I rewrote the movie on Twitter. But I do want to go back to the representation for a minute. Like, okay. like so this is like- I, I would like to finish up my opinion of the oh, movie, right. but that's oh, fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, you're right. <laughs> No, go do that. All right. So, so, so here's the thing, though, and here's what I think. You know, sort of the core problem. I mean, we already talked about the Steve thing, and for me, it was like, yeah. I mean, there's the there's the rape side of that. You know, like everyone's talking about because they did have sex. But I think the greater issue was that no one seemed concerned for the person's life at all. Yeah. He had completely subsumed this person, and and he was gone. And like nobody, like Steve wasn't like like, hey, like I've got to get out of this guy's body. Like even when Steve wanted to live, be like, is there some way we can like do this where I don't have to be in somebody else's body. And then, and Diana was just like, no, no, no. You know, like even when it was like clear that this was a bad thing and, and that the wish had to be undone, it's like, no, I want, I want Steve and I don't care about this other guy. His life is, is unimportant. So that was kind of the greater issue there. There was uh, the issue with the fact that until the very end, our two villains don't even know each other. Well, I guess they kind of knew it. They didn't meet at the party. Okay, I'm sorry. They, oh, right, they make out at a party, but it's like there's no <laughs> connection between villain A and villain B. I always have a problem when they try to multiply the villains in the sequel movies. And if you do that, you've got to like really structure it well to make sure that the two villain plots like line up. And they didn't do that. It felt very disjointed between the two. And I didn't even know why they had two villains for quite a while there in the movie. I would have rather had Barbara just be like, you know, 
a person that was being pulled into this rather than trying to make her cheetah you know uh because that at least would have segued more into it or or had barbara be the the primary character and not had max lord at all one or the other but like having them both there seemed very disjointed um and then we with but but for most of the movie i'm thinking okay they're trying to make this feel like it's a 1980s superhero movie they're trying to look back to superman so it's kind of cheesy fun don't think about it too hard kind of thing especially that mall scene it seemed like something that might be like in a christopher reeve kind of thing you know and how you know i actually like them all right right and so for most of me okay so it's not my cup of tea but i think i get where they're going then we get to the last like 15 minutes of the movie where suddenly the lasso is infinite length. She can web sling through clouds. You know, it's like Spider-Man except with clouds, right? She can just like, woo, lasso a cloud and just go, you know, and it's like- like, no point to it. Right. (laughs) For no reason. And and, and talking about this movie being rushed, it was clear that in the original version, she put on the armor and flew there because then in the next scene, she arrives there in the armor. The continuity was awful. It's like you showed her like lasso slinging through the clouds, but then she doesn't arrive in her regular costume. She arrives in the golden armor. Why don't you just have the scene of her going, she could have lassoed to her apartment, put on the armor and we could have seen her fly with the armor off. Yeah. And that would have been fine. There was actually like when you look at how they they stitch it together, there's no point to her even being in the armor. Right. Yeah. I mean, she gets her. She's already got her powers back. Like mm-hmm. putting on the armor is just for the aesthetic. I mean, this movie wants to be the '80s and it's aesthetic only. Mm-hmm. You know that. And and the thing is, like, they, they don't even have '80s music, and it's really disappointing because there's a lot of really good '80s. Oh, music. Okay. All right. I don't remember hearing the Wonder Woman theme in the movie, which I thought was super problematic. It was once. I don't yeah. remember where, but I heard it once. Okay. Yeah. Because like that theme was also one of the breakout hit things of both BVS and the original Wonder Woman, because that really powerful, like really frenetic, like da 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 da. You know, like, and I was like that, like the cheetah fight. It wasn't there at all. You know, it's like I didn't hear it. Was it. When she was like really weirdly running down that road. Like, mm. when it looks like she's on a treadmill and the special <laughs> effects are, are like what yeah. and it's like you know what when the flash tv show does speed better than the wonder woman movie <laughs> yeah. i feel like we have a problem <laughs> And, and so for me, though, then like the thing that the worst sin of the movie and this, I think, goes back to something you said, Sam, is they know what words are, but they don't know what they mean. It's like relentlessly hopeful, but without providing a, a meaning behind the hope. So it's like mm-hmm. Diana just makes an impassioned plea. Everyone give up your wishes. Everyone give up your wishes. And then everyone, every literally everyone in the world the thing that no other civilization before could do, even when they knew it was happening to them in the Dreamstone. They already yeah. said this, like the Mayan civilization disappeared because n- they couldn't give up their wishes. It wasn't colonization that killed the Mayan. <laughs> it was wishes, right? <laughs> but, you it know. Was it was too hot. Yeah. Well, well uh, um, but but yeah, so, so but, but the whole world, just because Diana made an impassioned plea about hope, was able to give up their wishes. And so that's the, the problem, because remember, they said specifically, everyone has to give it up. It can't just be some. So that means everybody gave up their wish. And I'm just, no, I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. There are going to be selfish people who are like, no, I'm, I'm not, I got what I wanted. I'm not getting rid of this, you know. But what um, about the people who couldn't give up their wishes, like, they, like that guy that wished that Maxwell could see the president today. 
how do you take that back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people didn't even seem to know what they were wishing because they weren't actually saying the wish outright. They were just agreeing that when he said, don't you wish I had that? They just said, yes, I wish you had that. So it's like, that's real vague language there. <laughs> well, that gets back to the powers aren't defined either. Yeah, um, yeah, it seemed like because Maxwell became the Dreamstone, he could just change the rules Warrior. of the Dreamstone at will also. And that was <laughs> kind of problematic. Um, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, that was the thing that at the end, and that gets back to Bree's comment of there was no consequence either. So like that ending like felt so flat for me. And that's what really ruined the movie. Because totally. like I said, I could have accepted his cheesy, fun popcorn movie you know, like, okay, it's it's not the greatest and there's a lot of things that don't make sense, but they were trying to go for more of a an older superhero movie feel. But then like, no, like not that ending. <laughs> not like this. Not, not like this. Like this. <laughs> I, uh, I fully agree on the continuity thing and the vagueness of language, all of it specifically around the Dreamstone. Um, because I'll be honest, when she first finds it, and she, she basically explains that it's a thing that channels one of the forces of the universe, I got excited because I've actually personally had the idea before of what if someone wrote like, um, even like a future uh, sci-fi uh, series about this group of warriors, group of soldiers who each literally have a power imbued in them from the universe, like truth. What does truth look like in soldier form, right? Or what does um, honor look like? Literally Literally, these these values we hold in in our our world. What would that look like if that was an actual force of nature in a person? Right. I've had that idea before, and I, so yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, cool. Where are they going to go with this? Right. Like, what's this dreamstone thing going to be? And then a, they never really define what that force of the universe was ever. Uh, we kind of we kind of imply that it's greed, desire, whatever. But a, they never say it, and then b, like we're all saying the rules just change all the mm. time. Yeah, it was really disappointing. Um, so let's talk about the characters a little bit. I mean, like I said, we really only had four characters in the movie. Um, uh, you know, we talked about Steve, we talked about the problematic nature of Steve, but the other thing that I found kind of, you know, difficult about having Steve around was that, you know, in the first movie, you feel a lot of chemistry between him and Diana, I was not feeling it in this movie. And maybe it was because I wasn't feeling the movie at all, but also it felt like he was there and suddenly they had this relationship they didn't have in the first movie either. It was like, he's my boyfriend. And I'm like, when did that happen? You know, like yeah. you guys like barely knew each other, you know? And, and I get that she's built him up kind of in her mind, uh, you know, because of his sacrifice and everything. And that she had, you know, this, this sort of relationship that was cut off, you know, sort of abruptly. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know. It felt like there was some sort of disconnect even in like the character. And he seemed almost only there so he could do the fashion jokes. You know, like in that one scene, it's like, oh, we want to bring Steve back so he can show like how disconnected he is and, you know, show the fashion and with, oh, he, he, he. And then it was like, yeah. for the rest of the movie, I don't think he really contributed much other than being the thing Diana was pining for. Yeah, they they really, again, it's it's one of those things where they're, they're, they're centering her emotional core on Steve. And that's not Wonder Woman. You know, Wonder Woman, yeah, she loved Steve. They had a very brief dalliance. They connected on a level that she, you know, maybe previously hadn't connected with someone with. I mean, she was on an island for how many thousands of years and she didn't have like 
mm, come on like you're now you're stretching it but the fact of the matter is that she like in 84 it's been 70 years since steve died and the fact that she's i mean i get it like some people you don't get over quickly like uh, you know my grandmother passed away over a decade ago and i still feel that but at the same same time my life doesn't revolve around you know well what would my grandmother you know i mean it's not entirely equivalent but at the same time the fact that they're basing all of her actions on her love for steve alone is problematic because it's just like you're telling me this woman hasn't even tried to live a life for seven decades because this one guy that she knew for like four weeks maybe and had sex with one time that's it yeah she's like i'll never love again like sweetheart and he had to give his permission before he went yeah. It's okay for you to have like other loves and like go out into the world. And it's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, right. Diana, honey, I <laughs> love you, but no. Yeah. no. Yeah. Well, and the problem with that is we, we know from Batman v Superman and Justice League that she still doesn't. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she's still sad and like alone in those. And I think that's where like the biggest problem kind of comes from is like they're trying to wedge this in and make it like continuity. And so it's like, oh, she's sad in Batman v Superman about him. So she's got to be sad about him. It's like, like nobody ever thought like women get over things. Hmm. Like she can still love him and have friends. Yeah. Like, hey, friendship. That's yeah. a good thing. She <laughs> <laughs> also hasn't seen her mother or any or her aunt or or her sisters in Themyscira for seventy years. So I don't that's know. a good reason for her to be them. sad. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. She yes. can't go back to Themyscira. Well, I, th- I think I think what they're trying to establish is that at least right now, she doesn't know how to get back to Themyscira. Once she left, like the invisibility made it, and she didn't know where she was in the ocean sure, when she left. But they don't so. talk about it. They hmm. never mention it as a thing in her life that she's upset over. Everything in her apartment shows that she's just pining over Steve. Right. Didn't like, they tell her that once you leave, you cannot come back? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's my other thing too. It's like you have this like beautiful um, like artifact from your home, this beautiful golden armor. You have like this, these like little altars to Steve all over your apartment, but this amazing, you know, thing that reminds you of home and everything that your home stands for is like wrapped in burlap in your closet, like in the back. <laughs> yeah. like, 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 again, like, yeah, I can see, like, that's exactly what I thought, Samantha. We are best friends. Like, <laughs> she is, I can see her being sad about her, like never seeing her home, her mother, her, you know, her sisters again, like that would make sense. But it's like, it's all about Steve. And, and it just, it's just like, okay, yeah, she misses him, we get it. And, yeah. and even though I liked seeing Steve again, um, well, I should say I didn't like when she has to like give him up or whatever. And she like runs away crying. I didn't even really feel that this time. I definitely felt it in the first movie. I was like, Oh shoot. Like, (laughs) you know, like that's, that sucks. Like I'm married. I've been married 12 years. Like I get it. I love my husband, but like that, and that would suck. But like this in 84, she just kind of leaves and is crying. I'm like, I mean, okay. It was kind of cool that you guys hung out for a little while here, but 
why are you suddenly crying now when you didn't have him for 70 years and then you had him for like a week and now you're like bawling about it like mm. it did seem weird to me also the fact like you guys are saying they just established the fact that she doesn't care about anyone else for 70 years there and also this is a completely different topic but like why didn't they not address how she addressed world war ii um so yeah. that was also completely left out like don't you think in any of those decades she would have found someone else to fall in love with or at least like you said have friends with you know mm. like <laughs> right i mean because one of the things they established is that steve's selflessness was one of the things that made her like you know love him so much and to appreciate that humanity had like a reason to live and like you know because of people like steve and i get that and i get how like because he was the first person she met and he did have those noble qualities is one of the reasons why she latched on so strong to him but yeah you're right she must have seen selfless action. She must have seen heroic people in all the decades past then. And no. yeah, and we talked about it with Wonder Woman is, you know, we, we know how things turn out for her uh, in BVS, but like, it seems weird that we have this question mark on World War II. And it's like, did really, did she go through all of World War II without the world finding out about Wonder Woman? Because like, it seems kind of hard. Korea, Vietnam, <laughs> yeah. uh, Desert Storm. Like She was <laughs> going to get involved with World War II, but she saw Steve rogers and then she didn't have <laughs> oh he's got it it's fine she's it's like it's good captain america <laughs> he's good he got this i'm fine i mean yeah. that's why i feel like they they would have benefited from a smaller story in terms mm. of yeah. don't focus on the world because i get it with superheroes you want to show like the the global universality of them they apply blah 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 um but with diana especially if you're trying to maintain this continuity of her hiding for so long like you know you could have worked that in with her and barbara because they're both um they're both anthropologists they're both archaea you know you could play in on that indiana jones feel as well if you wanted to like you know also if you had made barbara a woman of color who, you know, you could have gone into these like, you know, smaller countries where Diana's trying to lay low. So she's just like working as a cultural anthropologist. She gets called into a dig site where Barbara works. Barbara's like in with the local, like all this stuff. And you have that kind of like intimate friendship form. Maybe it goes into something else. I don't know. You could do it. You're a movie. You can do whatever you want, apparently. Um, but it's like if you have that focus become smaller it also plays into the continuity of her laying low for so long like she's only involved in these small like you know things that are happening that are not so grand globally scaled that you're like how in the friggin world has no one noticed this woman in a bright costume and a lasso that glows running around well, you know? because she broke all the cameras remember oh, she broke cameras. all the cameras, yeah, all the cameras. <laughs> you, know, you know that would have been really that's exactly my thought too, Sam, when I saw this. I was like, they tried to do too much. And actually, I got really bad flashbacks to the third Spider-Man movie with Sandman oh and all of them. I was just like, ooh, ooh. Like, so again, I come from the background of like storytelling, character development, and that's what bugged me about it. But to Nathan's point and Sam, your point, like why couldn't it have been either just Barbara, the whole story develop with their relationship wherever it went and then she turns bad mm -hmm. and that's all we deal with and it's let's say it's just dc or just the us right keep it to that or let's just have her and barbara's relationship develop over the movie while maxwell's the bad person and then in the third movie yeah got that establishment mm -hmm. with barbara and then she becomes cheetah like yeah. why not tighten that up like yeah. barbara's Bar i think no go ahead sorry 
I was going to say, I think like we started off talking about Steve. I think the biggest comment on Steve's character is the fact that we couldn't talk about him for more than like two sentences and we've already switched to all the other characters. Like that in and of itself, I think is the best commentary on his contribution to this movie other than like like a couple of fight scenes where he seems to know modern tech like way too much. That's like really his only real contribution other than a few like laughs. Can anyone think of a reason or anything that Steve contributed to the movie that was essential to the movie? He fired that missile when they were attacking those kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, that was a role uh, that no one else could have, like, he could not have, like, created another character for that. I mean, he, I, he somehow magically managed to mansplain to Wonder Woman how to fix that fight at the end, like, without saying yeah. anything. Like, that was the thing. It was like, Diana, here's this thing that I think, like, it's like, you shouldn't know what that is. Like, right. and you definitely don't know how to drive that car. And you definitely don't know, like, all here's these things. Here's a surface-to-air missile, I think. Well, I was telling my wife, like, from Steve's point of view, cars are things that you literally have to install a crank yeah. and turn <laughs> it to start. Mm-hmm. And, like, for him yep. to just go in, oh, yeah, ignition Also key. going, like, 90 miles an hour, like, no. Cars never went that fast. Straight <laughs> up, if you were ripped out of 1918 and somebody put a Pop-Tart in front of you, would you think that's food? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like the time traveler who get, who, who really like I, figures out modern tech real quickly. Like there's that, pr- the the Christmas night movie from Hallmark or, or Lifetime or whatever. <laughs> yes. Like this dude gets, gets transported. The night before Christmas. Yeah, night before Christmas. He gets transported from 1400s medieval Europe <laughs> to modern day like Illinois or Ohio or whatever. And he's cool with it. He's just vibing. <laughs> oh God, we're starting to talk about Hallmark movies. First, like 20 yeah. minutes. But, but, it's the same thing. But, but there, here's a point I want to bring out. Again, I think this also might go to the shifting scripts. Originally, there might have been a reason for Steve to inhabit the body of the other person if he also had access to that person's knowledge because then they could have gotten past the issue of, you know, like, oh, why does Steve, why is Steve so comfortable with everything? Because they already established he's an engineer and it could be like, oh, he has all this modern knowledge because he's like basically like merged with that other person rather than supplanting it. But because they established the fact that he has no clue who this guy is or what any of the modern stuff is because they wanted some cheap jokes, you know, like I couldn't make the exercise, you know, like I can make the bicycle move, he, 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 you know, they they, they threw that away and that would have helped with all the stuff like how can he fly the jet or all that because maybe this engineer like knows about jet, you know, like whatever, you know, I mean, they could have, you know, done that. But yeah, like with the way they had it, yeah, that that stuff was all like, there's no way Steve would know any of this. Yeah. I mean, comic books has always done the whole like, oh, he's Steve's great great grandson who just happens to kind of look like him a lot. (laughs) That's how I thought they were going to bring Chris Pine back is just establish him as a descendant because Steve, I mean, he mentioned in the first movie that he'd been with lots of women. So, you know, which is a bad line, but it could at least, you know, provide for why there's a pretty boy man slut. I mean, just. Yeah, no, I I fully agree, Nathan. I think the only reason he was there was to try to keep first viewers interested, A, to bring him back, right? Because it's Chris Pine. I love him. He's he's a great actor. He's not too hard on the eyes either, you know, that kind of thing. Two, kind of a comedic relief, but not even, not really, because of the way the script was written. And then, like, C, I think they really did want to keep everything centered around diana's love for him and how she can't get past it now he has to be there for some reason for her to get past it Mm -hmm. um so i yeah i liked seeing him like i said but they're all the continuity issues and the storytelling issues didn't really seem like it was important really for him to be there you know Mm -hmm. not at least not as steve trevor so 
All right, so let's start talking about uh, Max because I want to get these two out of the way and talk about Barbara and Diana. <laughs> um, I, to me, Max just came off as like a low-rate Lex Luthor and not even like the... Co- I mean, I get that the origin of the Maxwell Lord character is he's kind of like a low... But it's kind of like the low-rate 1980s version of Lex Luthor from the Superman movies, but even worse than that because he's so two-dimensional. And he's so, and even at the end, like, I didn't buy the whole thing of, oh, I've got to give it up for my son. Because they sort of established that he doesn't really care about the kid. Like, they're like, oh, it's your day with the kid. And he's like, oh, you know, like, oh, God, get rid of him, you know, like, kind of thing. So I never even bought that. Pedro Pascal is selling it, like, hardcore. Mm. Like, and also the kid who's playing his son, Alistair, isn't giving him much to work with either. Wow. He's, he's and I know it's a kid actor like you can, mm. you can only expect so much but at the same time like that kid's giving him nothing to work with. and he's pulling those scenes like he's like hauling it with and he's just like oh god <laughs> this whole thing um, <laughs> but he's selling it hardcore and I I mean again I Chris Pine was great for what he does in the movie he's great Pedro Pascal is great for what he's given and he's 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 selling the movie more than I think anyone else in the entire cast um if you're ever going to watch the movie quite frankly you're really just watching it for Pedro Pascal's performance Mm -hmm. um but at, at at the same time like they're trying to establish a core to this character with the sun and the like the the shallowness of the 80s and what's what lies beneath kind of read is good yeah, it, he, he, I get where they're going with it. The problem is, again, what we've been saying, like the payoff is not comparable to, you know, what they've set up. You know, there's no consequences to his actions. He treats his son like, <laughs> sorry, the, he, like, like, like uh, excrement. And <laughs> I mean, and yeah, in the 80s, divorce was a much bigger deal. You know, all the all these kinds of things that you could have, kind of peppered throughout the movie but because you're you know you're stretched so thin with all these other plot points that you're trying to pick up on you don't really get time to establish a real relationship between these between a father and his son um and you know the whole like I want you to be proud of me because it's all about me 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 um and it's not about you like I get that but yeah like when you get to the end of it and he can suddenly see where his son is because that's a thing that the lasso can do. Show him what's happening in the present. I Again, the lasso's abilities are also a little like, mm. uh, uh, I like it can snag a plane from thousands of feet in the air. Sure, that was my fine. favorite. <laughs> like, and I like, the, I like that they were using the lasso a lot mm. because she didn't use it uh, all that much in the first movie as far as it, she was a much more swordy type wonder woman but it's also like why isn't she using her sword for stuff like she got a sword use a sword you you're an amazon use your sword 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 um <laughs> she's just the and the thing is like if you watch any of the animated you know movies or the tv show wonder woman she, she's trained to use that rope and she's a wrestler because she's an amazon like there's these aspects that they didn't really teach Gal Gadot that would have, I think, benefited more in terms of like the um, the fighting if they had just given her more uh, more like kind of hand to hand combat kind of stuff and 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 more like close you know like if she's a if she's an Amazon she knows how to wrestle she can like pile drive someone or do mm-hmm. something that isn't a CGI loop de loop you know. <laughs> 
right? But I get what they were trying to do with Max. I get yeah. it. They just didn't, again, pay off any of it. Well, and he didn't connect with what was going on with anyone. I mean, I mentioned that kind of before, but that's the thing. It's like we have the initial scene where he meets, you know, Barbara and mm-hmm. Diana. And then, you know, there's the party that's very soon after. And then there's a huge length of movie where his plot is not synced with theirs at all. And then it's just coming in at the end, you know, kind of, you know, where where they they have, where Barbara decides to throw in with him. And then it's kind of like they're together and all of that. And so it felt like he was so disjointed from everything. And it just, and I agree with what you're saying. He pulled off the character. Yeah. You know, and he's very good at, you know, pulling off that character. But that character was not very well integrated into the movie. And the character had so little. De- like, I still don't know what was his plan. Like, it seemed like at first. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, it, like, why, why do you want? I, I get. All right. So the thread from getting all the oil, like the rights to all the oil to getting the power of the president, that all made sense. Now I want all these like little people like to wish too because I want to take things from the like what do those people have that you can even use like what do you want? He needed to restore his health. Yeah. Well, well, but yeah, okay. So he took one person's health to restore his health. What does he need all the rest of the hundreds of million people for? Yeah, like my thing with the character though is why did they name him Max Lord? He has no connection to anything in Max in in Max Lord's history. Well, yeah, but that's that's typical of comic book movies, right? That they'll yeah. just throw in a name. Anything. <laughs> and, well, and also, Maxwell Lord, the biggest thing that he's known for in terms of his relationship with Wonder Woman is that she snapped his neck. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and there we go to consequence again. That That's what I was <laughs> expecting was going to have to happen is that Diana was going to realize that, you know, there's no other way because of what he's done and what he's doing and he's not going to stop because he just is that greedy that she's just going to have to kill him and 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 restore the world that way to undo because they said that was the two things you can either destroy the stone or make everyone give up their wishes and they went with the one i found far less believable (laughs) because then you get into man of steel territory yeah you can't have two movies where where you're snapping the villains now yeah and i I agree that they shouldn't have done that but I, I agree with he didn't have he I understand wanting to do the not like big confrontation like you know kill the the villain like that's much more in line with what a Wonder Woman comic or a Wonder Woman movie should be like that Wonder Woman doesn't have to resort to violence she could if she wanted to but she also restrains herself from doing it um, because she has empathy and sympathy for people. The problem is that in terms of making this thing on a global scale like they did, it all it does raise the question of why didn't you? It's like the Joker and Batman. We get to a point where the escalation demands a different punishment than, oh, he just gets to feel bad that he abandoned his son to ruin and uh, then gets to just run off and nothing and nothing. And you're just like, that doesn't fit the crime here. That's That's not a satisfying ending 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I see, I would feel, and again, I'm not steeped in the years of comics because I know the DC properties mainly from their animated and film versions. I, I haven't read the comics. But I would feel less weird about Wonder Woman who was raised as an Amazon warrior killing somebody than I did about seeing Superman kill somebody. And maybe from the comics, she's just as no killing as Superman. I just felt like, I just feel it's like, yeah, I mean, as a, as a warrior, she would be someone who would be trained to kill when it's necessary. It shouldn't be her go-to. Yeah, but Superman already did it. It's been done. You well, know, like, okay. is all like three, five years. <laughs> it doesn't ago. have to be a neck snapping. I just meant that, like that, that Lord would have to be killed. You know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. I just yeah, I I was not feeling him as the villain. He seemed such a cheesy villain, and then but then the game made his threat so powerful just with the fact of how they made the Dreamstone and how it worked and everything. But then I also didn't get his motivations. And if I if you're not selling me on the motivations of the villain. I actually read a um, article from someone who one of their big complaints was about his motivations because they were like, they mentioned there was like greed and him wanting to get out of debt and build an empire for himself. And this person writing the article was like, that could have been so much more impactful if they had actually shown the economic situation of the 80s. Um, mm. I was born in the 80s, so I don't know all of it, obviously, but I know that like there was so much going on yeah. and there was a bunch of the, uh, you know, Reaganomics and stuff that was going on and they did not imply any of that whatsoever like why was he so out of debt um why what why oil if you didn't know the oil industry at the time like why would he be trying to bank on this now so i kind of agree with that like i don't know the 80s economic history as much as i should but the little i knew i was like oh yeah that would have made more sense as to why he's panicking so much about not being someone well they didn't even set it in the real 80s because the president wasn't reagan so right. i mean it's like yeah. so you kind of <laughs> lost that too like if they had yeah. made it more of a hard-hitting political commentary that might have been interesting too yeah uh, plus but... all the cocaine i mean just, just so <laughs> <laughs> I take your cocaine. <laughs> but yeah, no, I also, yeah, I was born in the year this movie is set. And uh. just like looking at that, like I recognize nothing in this movie that, I mean, it, again, it wants the veneer of the 80s for, and I don't know why, you know, it really doesn't do its job of selling you well, I, like when you set a movie in a particular time period, you have to have a reason for it, especially if it's not now because you could have easily done a Wonder Woman movie that just went forward in time. Like in, in terms of like, we could have moved past the BVS era, past Justice League, past the Snyder Cut. You could have I mean, that. you could have had a commentary about greed set right now and it would exactly. fit. So yeah. I mean. Like it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> right. I'm sure the studio is against that though. The studio <laughs> has plans that they want, I think, mm. um, and they don't want and at, at the time, especially, they were kind of unsure what they were doing with their cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure they were specifically like, okay, you can't do anything that's pat that's that's yeah. the era of or past BVS or uh, or Justice yeah. League. So I think they were kind of constrained. I still don't but, think they know what they're doing, but no, hundred you know. percent. Yeah. I, I I don't disagree that they yeah. totally fubbed putting it in the '80s, but I think that putting it in the future was not like an option for them. Sure, and and, and yeah. It, Sure. But yeah, at the same time, it's like when you're writing a movie and you set it in a past time period, you have to have something to say about that time period. You can't be, again, everyone always talks about like, I don't want politics in my superhero movies. Like nothing isn't like everything is political, hon. I hate to tell you this, but your superheroes are not divorced from politics. They are in fact a product of politics. Captain America literally punches a Nazi, Hitler, in the first issue of Captain America. 
Yeah. Like if that isn't political, I don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> I think the biggest, the biggest, and I'm pulling in this from my, my tabletop gaming. The biggest reason to have it in the eighties is no cell phones. It, yeah. it is the way that they could explain. And then I, I do this to my players. I put things in as modern an era as possible without cell phones, because if they can just text each other or call each other, it like, it takes away a lot of my tools for causing drama. Yeah. And I think that was the way they, they were like, oh, she keeps her identity a secret because there's no iPhones. So I think but that is 100% the reason. Well, well, well yeah. About her like keeping her I mean. identity a secret, though. Yeah. So, right. so she's a somewhat famous anthropologist in, <laughs> yeah. in 1984 using her name. Mm-hmm. And then in, in BVS, she is still a somewhat famous art er, anthropologist in France mm-hmm. using her name. Mm-hmm. People in the circle are going to know that she's been around for 40 years and looks like that. No, yeah. no, no, because archivists, they're just all people living in basements in the dust somewhere. They don't talk. Nathan, we've had this discussion. Sam, Sam you knew this is sarcasm. Article. I know. No, no, the, the best part is let's let's have Sam talk about Wonder Woman's handling of, of archival artifacts in, in the Wonder Not Woman good. archive. Just gonna say it, not, but also to, I mean, to that point, actually, because she's in terms of the timeline of these movies in uh, BVS, she is uh, she's like a, a cultural historian because she works at the Louvre, but it's like all she's got all like the Greek stuff around her. She's handling a, a basically what's a, the equivalent of a daguerreotype without like covering up her oily oily fingers um which in certain cases yes you don't have to put gloves on it's very dependent but i'm pretty sure with that she should have been wearing gloves she and was then, made from clay she doesn't have finger oil well, not on this version clay. though <laughs> she's she's a daughter of zeus um so she's got godly unoily fingers i guess yeah. um but in then in justice league she's like an art his a restorer because yeah. she's like doing like some Dana from Ghostbusters 2 stuff in there where she's like restoring paintings and sculptures and whatever. Okay, fine. And then in ba- in Batman, in Wonder Woman 84, she's a cultural anthropologist, I guess, though we, uh, uh, again, we don't really see her doing much of that, but we do see the archives because mm-hmm. not only do they show the, uh, the Roth uh, Smithsonian archives, you know, facade, but then also when Cheetah is doing her research, she's uh, using microfiche in uh, in the stacks, basically, because the the, the, the squirmy dude who comes over and he's all like, do you want me? Uh, phone number, whatever. I, I love you. I already love you. Uh, <laughs> but he's either an archivist or he works in the archives because that's where she's doing all that stuff. So archives represent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to talking about um, Barbara, because um, I don't think we have much more. We don't have anything more to say about Max, right? Well, I was gonna say like the, the like one small thing. It's 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 very clear that in the script they wrote it to be like a Donald Trump light, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be like this this white guy like American. And I, for me, it was really problematic how they just kind of wedged in like the immigrant backstory in like a. 20 second couple flashes of things and it was to make very him redeemable yeah well to make him redeemable and i like literally it felt like they were trying to validate why pedro pascal was this character yeah like it was like 
this character was obviously not written to be a, an immigrant or anything like that. So that, and instead of just letting it be, like they were like, we have to validate why it's not like American, you know, tra uh, uh, stereotype white guy, businessman, you know, why he has an accent, why his son has an accent. Like instead of just letting that be its thing, like they're like, they had to wedge in these uh, very, Kind of insulting almost stereotypical like oh it's an abusive immigrant household his dad you know was mean and he you know when he peed the bed it's like for me that was just really problematic at the end you're just like completely didn't add anything to the story like it didn't give him a motivation uh all it did was like reinforce the 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 stereotypes of immigrants and uh and it, for me it was just like awful i really hated that part i was really upset about it so uh for, for me that was the the most upsetting thing beyond like all just the writing mistakes with it like that was just kind of like the last kind of straw that broke the camel's back for me really disliking that character and again nothing with pedro pascal's performance of it um just like a just a terrible terrible writing decision again script by improv mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of funny, like going from The Mandalorian to watching Wonder Woman 84. Cause yeah. I'm like, I really love him. Oh, I really hate him. Yeah. <laughs> He's just acting, darling. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's talk about Barbara um, here. What I really wanted is after she made her wish was for her to just reach back, take out her hair and just like shake it. And then like everything is suddenly perfect for her. Cause that's like the trope, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, just shake your hair out and suddenly you're beautiful and everyone loves you right you lose the glasses i mean it's like a right. she's all that kind of thing where it's just like oh she took her glasses off my god she's not suddenly beautiful directors insist on trying to tell us that a woman who looks identical to Kristen wig is in some way unattractive or, un or and completely undesirable yeah. in any way mm -hmm. yeah yeah because it would be <laughs> Look at her in her frumpy clothes. Yeah. Sympathy. <laughs> yeah, it's always weird when they when they do that because it's like, yeah, I mean, even if they're not like dressed the most attractively or whatever, you know, like somebody you yeah. can still tell, you know, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyway. I think that was actually my biggest problem with Barbara is that for some reason she is obsessed with Diana because of the way she looks and gets things uh, that she wants because of her looks almost. Like she even talks about like wearing high heels and like all of it is so superficial what Barbara wants, which is fine if that's what your character development is supposed to have. But it's it because there's, I don't feel there's enough time for the establishment of that relationship between those two. I did think it was really shallow that she's just like, oh, I wish I had what she had, the ability to look good and wear heels. like. That is yeah. so demeaning to women and it's very depressing to me considering it came from patty jenkins like that's okay to throw in there like yeah. i want cheetah to hate barb uh diana for many other different reasons and all like none of those are brought up well not so right. especially it's like this is a woman who has i think they established four doctorates mm -hmm. right or five doctorates like she she's like this incredibly educated incredibly qualified woman and it's just like oh nobody likes her yeah she's uncool and it's just like 
are you know even her boss doesn't know who she is i'm like you found a woman to hire to hire for this position that has four doctorates is obviously like at the top of her field and you can't remember her name and you work at the smithsonian yeah. like it was just it was just this awful awful stereotype especially and in it, academic circles they would yeah know, like like academic circles like that are very Absolutely. We know each other, you know. Mm. <laughs> well, and I, I kind of, I don't know. I felt weird. And, and, and I don't want you ladies to tell me about this part because I felt it was weird that we established that, well, Diana, she wears heels and she loves it and she's fine with it and everything. And it felt like because of that, like, I get that what Barbara's trying to do, Barbara's trying to fit in with the mold of the, of the thing. And I get that. And I get the sense of wanting Wonder Woman to embody like all of womanhood, including like some of the things that like, you know, like she looks beautiful and she wears the things and she looks glamorous and all of that. But at the same time, it felt like, cause my wife kind of like, like when they were like, Diana was like, well, I love wearing heels, you know? And, and it was like, you know, she's fine. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on that side of things. Like, do you feel like she should have been wearing flats or, or do you feel like, you know, it's, that was fine because of like Wonder Woman wanting to be, you know, supposed to be like embodying all of femininity and womanhood and everything. It's demeaning to women on all fronts, quite frankly. Okay. I mean, oh, see, I, I disagree. Um, I love wearing heels. They're painful. If I was a demigod, I would wear beautiful stiletto shoes all the time because I love what they do. I hate what they make my feet feel like. Mm. So assuming that Diana is impervious to pain and such things with her superpowers and has like the perfect balance to never get like blisters... Like I can, I can see her wanting to wear heels. I, I don't think heels are inherently demeaning to women. I think women being forced to wear heels to appease a male gaze is, as long as that. And I don't feel like in the movie they made that Diana's motivation for wearing them. Um, so I don't think shoes inherently make it, you know, uh, insulting to women. I do think having that jealousy for that male gaze being mm -hmm. Barbara's entire motivation was ridiculous and that yep. in and of itself is absolutely demeaning to women yeah, yeah i i would agree with that perspective in particular in this movie yeah it was pretty demeaning um normally well pre-covid days <laughs> anytime Ooh. i would go outside because i work from home anytime i go um out to do long errands or i go see someone go on a date with my husband i dress 1940s 1950s style nice heels and everything like even if i can buy the vintage heels still in good condition i will wear them and i love them i love the way i look i feel so much like myself and so confident dressed like that and anytime someone comes up to me and says that's so cool I don't know if I could pull it off I'm like you can if you want to mm -hmm. you don't have to if you don't want to though you are not me and that's totally fine what do you like what makes you feel confident what do you want to wear right and that's what I try to talk to people about when they are like I want to look like you and I'm like do you really or do you want to feel confident in who you are in your own body in your own clothes yeah and that's why I had a problem with Barbara being like, I want what you want. Like, I get it. As women, I've sometimes been jealous of what other women look like too, but we cannot keep putting forward that stereotype that that's okay to do. Yeah. yeah the, when, when I say it's, when I say it's demeaning in terms of, it's demeaning in that it presents this form of femininity as like the, the perfection. Yeah. You know, yep. the, the fact is that you have a, a again, Wonder Woman is the flagship female character of DC Comics. You have a, a, a movie in which the only other main female character is suddenly jealous of the, uh, of the other female character and they are fighting each other more than they are friends. 
Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you clock the amount of time that Barbara and Diana talk to each other as peers or as friends, it's shorter than the amount of time that she's jealous of her and is the, the villain. Like, so when you're framing things like, oh, she wears heels and I want to do that, like as a, uh, as the height of femininity, you know, for, uh, for Barbara to be jealous of, that's a problem. Like Wonder Woman can represent femininity on many scales like there's no one way to be a woman like and but the problem is that the movie presents a um the like this is the 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 this is the peak of femininity here is what wonder woman is doing and that's wrong like on so many levels that's wrong yeah i would say though for barbara though because the fact that there that she is on a villain arc it kind of makes sense though that she the the, the fact that she is wanting that you know, the, the sort of the greed of the, you know, to appear beautiful in the way that society tells her to be beautiful is part of like the, the thing that makes her the villain is that she's desiring something that isn't, you know, what she should be desiring. She, she's fallen for, you know, like yeah. what society's telling her to do. I think that's part of like what's twisted about her motivation. But this is what happens in, in any, any, like, okay, it's the, the five man band of cartoons. You understand, right? So you have five female, you have not five female, you have five characters. One is the girl, like, and then you have the villains and there's a female equivalent who is the vamp or sexier version of your clean cut, you know, girl character. This is what happens when girls watch different forms of media. We are always presented with a dichotomy of women fighting each other because one is jealous of the other over something. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying you can't do this plot, but you, if you're gonna do it at this point in this day and age, there has to be something else. Like well, there has couldn't it couldn't have there there been something else that was less like um fake yeah like like more like let's say diana gets invited to more things because maybe she's more established at the Masonian, right and let's say barbara's wants more of that recognition in her life let's say she even like no one cares that she dresses the way she does because she's got those four doctors they know she's there but she's new she still technically kind of has to earn a little bit of clout right with her her colleagues why couldn't barbara have been jealous more and more of diana having more establishment already in the field or something like that yeah. like or because or because she's an expert she figures out hey things that are magic are real and diane is a demigod and i'm jealous of that level of power yeah. like i want to become a powerful being as well hey maybe i'll use my vast knowledge of things that i've you know accumulated for my four doctorates to go look for something that will give yeah. me power it's what like if you actually showed like I, and i know this is just me rewriting the movie for my own purposes but if you <laughs> were to establish that them working at a dig site or something like that yep. where you can bring in the totem of the cheetah or whatever curse or ritual or however you want to do the transformation like you can still bring that in and have it kind of woven into the barbara and diana are colleagues they are as they are equal peers um in some way or one's more established than the other obviously diana's been around longer she's had she has more time to get that clout. But also if you're in uh, another country or a, another setting where that can be a more intimate affair, you can make it 
much more centered on these two people and like what is their relationship on the day-to-day what is their relationship with the people or you know the the culture around them like you can establish Mm -hmm. so many other levels of where that jealousy comes from that it doesn't have to be she wear heel heels good like (laughs) that's it this is like because you you show that with barbara when she gives the um the, the food to the homeless man. Like you establish a level of sympathy and empathy with her. Mm-hmm. But then they try to like, oh, it's gone away because she kicked that man real good. <laughs> and, then, and then the dude that she gave the, the food to was all like, what did you do? And she's like, whatever, peace out. Like, and, and that's it. That's the only, that's the surface level. Like she no longer cares for people thing. It's like, show that more like you have to show the again it's the like oh you're so funny i haven't laughed like that in so long like i she didn't say anything funny (laughs) then we find out that there's like five minutes of outtakes where she's being hilarious and they just cut it all that's more and if there is that's infinitely more frustrating because you have a two and a half hour movie in which they couldn't even show Kristen wig who is a funny comedian Mm-hmm. doing funny comedian stuff like her just improving awkwardness is not funny it's 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 more frustrating because you know the level of comedy this woman can actually do mm-hmm. you scratch you've just wasted it like why is she here except to fit into like nice clothing and like every i love I, I do love that every scene she's in after the wish she gets more and more spikes and feral right. stuff on it's just like <laughs> Where is she getting this clothing from? Costume yeah. design was a good call. Yeah, the costumes were great. Yeah. There was a Spencer's gift oh, yeah. where she lived and where she was. This, when was Hot Topic around? Hot topic. <laughs> when did that start? Um, did anyone did anyone feel the final Cheetah transformation? Like, did you feel like this was even necessary? And did you think that the fight was at all decent? No, and I think that that legendary golden armor does not live up to its <gasps> right. name either. Right. Well, right, the, the part that made me laugh, like, I don't know if that golden armor is from the comics, but it looked yeah, like it, they ripped it off from the, the anime Saint Seiya. It's a Gail, <laughs> Gail Simone's run. She established uh, uh, Oh, okay. Actually, Alex but Ross a- Oh, was it Alex Ross? Okay. Okay, yeah, but, but yeah, that's okay, after Saint Seiya. Saint Seiya is an yeah. early 80s anime, and they totally ripped off the Sagittarius I armor. <laughs> <laughs> Like I saw that golden armor, and the first thing that clicked in my head is like, "Oh, hot girls in this movie." <laughs> that would have been cool. That, that would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. Now the the armor is something that is so close to my heart because I actually mm. spent hundreds of hours building this armor, and I have a cosplay of this armor, the the original version from the Alex Ross comic, um, Kingdom Come, which mm. is it's like basically Wonder Woman brings it out when like the world is ending. And it's like her traditional arm battle armor. Um, and she has a sword. It's basically like, hey, I'm switching into I'm gonna kill people mode because this is how we have to save the world. Like, so it's like Super this badass thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's her leveling up or whatever. Yeah. Um, and funny. so it's something that's super close to my heart. So I I built this armor specifically for Comic-Con 2019 when we thought the movie was gonna come out very soon. Didn't, but that's okay. The world closed down. Um, but like, like I've been so excited about this armor and then to have it be like just 
like this thing that was like in her closet. Like I was like waiting the whole movie. Like I'm sitting there like, oh, is it time? Is it time? And then it's like, they're in there and she's like, oh yeah, that's the golden armor from my people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? It's in burlap? You wrapped it in burlap with twine? What are you doing? And then it lasts uh, like 30 seconds in yeah. the fight with Cheetah. And then, and then she she's just like throwing it in. off. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be like magically imbued. Like you were saying earlier, Samantha, with like the power of the gods. Like it's like, and they created kind of a cool backstory for it, which I was like, okay, neat. Like, except like it never came to pass. Like there was zero reason for that cool backstory. Like they kind of allude in the first scene when she's on Themyscira to the golden warrior. And then like it, makes no sense a difference and then very worst of all like she's sitting there talking to Pedro Pascal she's monologuing him into like the end of the movie and she leans up against the wall and this golden armor like bends against the wall and like crinkles because <laughs> it's actually foam and I was just like oh my god there's a lot of people leaning against walls in this movie I don't know how you did that <laughs> Yeah. Like everyone's like, oh, I'm in pain. I'm in trouble. I'm up against the wall. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I, uh, it, for me, that was the biggest thing. Like, I was waiting for there to be a reason for her to put it on. Like, oh, she finds out that Cheetah's there and Cheetah has these claws that are just like ripping her to part in their first fight or mm -hmm. something. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to put on the armor to protect me from Cheetah's claws because that's like the, the armor in this movie has like shield wings. I don't know. Um, oh, headache already thinking about it. But like I was like waiting and there's like zero reason like for her to be in that armor at all. It was just for the flash of like, oh look, cool posters. Look at, look, 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 look. You know, it was to sell an action figure. Yeah. yeah. And I bought the action figure, I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. I mean, the, the armor looks beautiful. I so mean, good. like it, visually it's it's amazing, but yeah, yeah. there was no but it's reason functionally for it. useless. Yeah. So bad. And she can't, they can't even, even though I think the wings for the most of the scenes were CG, like even when she's on the ground, even then they couldn't make the wings not look awkward and weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just like, oh so bad like I, i've walked around for a full day in those wings like they are <laughs> awkward and weird but you can make it not look that way yeah and i still didn't understand because the end of that fight is her electrocuting cheetah in the water that they're both in right. and she's in armor but like, she's she's half zeus remember oh, so that's right. yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's the, like i hate that they made her half zeus because it like does all this stuff that's beyond wonder woman right like it's not yeah. like even wonder woman anymore it's, but it's, the, it's also the fact that her resolution to cheat to defeating cheetah is to electrocute her yeah <laughs> but she the, can't hurt max lord yeah and maxwell mm. lord gets a lasso around his ankle and, and, a, monologue. and a truth speech yeah, yeah. And, and, like it's not so equivalent. Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Woman is half Zeus and is therefore immune to lightning, but Thor is the god of thunder and gets tased over and over <laughs> and over again. Different universe. Different universe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funnier when he gets tased. Yeah. <laughs> I am gonna say though too, like it's uh like like going back to like what we were saying earlier about the bad writing, the setups and payoffs and how things are set up and the rules. Like Cheetah's outside, she's just been electrocuted, she's not near any screens. How did she know to give up her wish? And if she didn't, then why did everything else work? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, they show her at the end and she's back to normal. Like she looks like a regular person. Right. So yeah. apparently she gave up her, her second wish. Well, you know, no, that, she that was that was Max. Max gave her the cheetah stuff because he sucked in someone else's wish and was like gave 
gave her something. That's how she got it. So well, I but, his wish. but but yeah, when does it establish that he can give somebody else a wish too? I mean, I don't know. I just like like transfer. When from does anything one else the, establish in this? Right. Movie? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I had a problem. Well, like well well like as long as we're you know discussing what doesn't make any sense. <laughs> These particles are gonna go oh, yeah, and yeah. touch everyone, and that counts. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's some sci-fi. Let's. That's yes. an issue with the physics of comic book universe, and so that's that I'm easier able to hand wave than the stuff that doesn't make sense from character perspectives, yeah. or like it doesn't match up with the continuity of the movie or things like that. To, to your point, actually, the the weird thing is because you have the '80s, you have this kind of like on the cusp of the Silver Age kind of storytelling that you could have utilized. Yeah. And again, Wonder Woman comes from a magically weird universe of people that you could really lean into. And it's just like, they wanted to lean into it, but not. They're like, oh, particles can touch everyone, but mm, uh, mythology, but eh. and, and it's all this like, we want to satisfy everything, so we satisfy no one. Yeah. No. So yeah. It's, it's very much like, you have so much potential here. There's so much to mine. Mm -hmm. And you just didn't touch on any of it in any meaningful way where you could actually have fun with it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's why they killed the gods off in the first movie is because they wanted to appeal to people who currently believe in monotheistic religions. Like you can't have, you know, they thought that that would really turn off a large portion of their, their market. So that's why, oh, the gods were killed in ages past so that now you don't have to deal with having alternative gods in the modern area. Era. And that's so so silly because i'm monotheistic like i believe yeah. in god but guess what i studied greek and roman mythology i know how this crap works like it's <laughs> it's not the end of the world well like well it even ignores how popular thor has been and yeah. that shows the norse gods in a modern setting and but they're actually been... aliens well, they're not sure. actually the gods <laughs> magic and science are the same thing nathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, nathan but like you're telling me that this guy is talking to the entire world, yeah. billions of people, and touching them with particles. And he got really creepy excited. Yeah. <laughs> but not one person out of billions said, I wish this guy would. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, I wondered that too. I was like, oh, is this gonna backfire uh, where suddenly like he shows up somewhere else or something? Cause people are just like, I wish this guy would go away or. I, because when he's absorbing the wishes because everyone because he can hear everyone and it's just playing over like a, a I don't know like he's got amplified powers now uh, and, and no like matter what language powers. they speak <laughs> yes it's just there's a lot a of stuff fish. happening because he's, she's up against the wall because his wind powers have kicked in or something and like he became the last airbender I don't uh, know. I take your wind <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that scene too really shows like, again, how we were talking earlier about how it's a movie about a woman that is completely from a male focus mm -hmm. um, because it, there is this double standard like, oh, Cheetah's bad because she wanted to be powerful and jealousy. So she's allowed to be electrocuted and gets the, the heck kick out of her by Wonder Woman. Um, and then like he, she has to treat uh, Max Lord with respect and like yeah. she doesn't hit him. She wraps his lasso around him. He gets a happy ending back with his son and we don't even get like a closing to Minerva's story at all. That so was, yeah. That was my exact biggest problem with the fight between yeah. her and Cheetah. I was just like, okay, cool. A, why are they fighting? Uh, they 
we just apparently we just needed them to fight right yeah. uh b cool why is she in trouble for this mm-hmm. why did, and then you don't ask that question until later when you're like oh yeah she's a bad girl and then you get to the point with maxwell and you're like why isn't he getting in trouble like, yeah well they were fighting each other over maxwell right i yeah, mean ultimately yeah, that's what it boils down to yeah like, like their entire conflict was over a man mm-hmm. yeah all right, let's really quick talk about. Oh, I hate to say really quick because this is the character of the movie. Let's talk about I just Diana. Want to say that this is an entire movie about a, a mediocre man's failure upwards, and yes. that's going to have to deal with the consequences of that. It's a well done movie. <laughs> what it's like to be a woman in America. Yeah. The most accurate thing about the movie. Yeah. Is how it hits home. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Diana in the movie um, because. I, I don't think that the scene, I, I think the scene in the beginning was mishandled, but I think I know what they were trying to do with it was that she needed to learn that you can't cheat, you know? And I think that that's like the whole dreamstone is a cheat, right? It's something that's supposed to be like, but then we don't see it ever connect back to that. And that's where that was ham fisted is that, yeah, they put that in there, but in the end, she wants to hold on to the cheat. And it's not until Steve is basically like, nah, we're not going to hold on to the cheat and insists on it that... The truth is beautiful. (laughs) So it wasn't... Right. That solves it, right? Right. I I was waiting the entire movie for them to do another flashback of when she ran through that obstacle course again and won. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, Like that scene at the beginning and the part at the end with the secret character were the two most entertaining things in the entire movie for me. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because because I mean that's the thing. It doesn't show the growth of her character because she's it's never a point where she is adamant that, you know, we 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 can't do this because it's a lie or whatever. It's something that Steve basically has to talk her into. Yeah, well, and they had to tie it in with the lasso because the lasso is how she defeats, defeats him without like hurting him where really all they needed to do was make it like an emotional connection with her mother that really defeated it. Like if in the beginning they tweaked the language while she, you know, um, you know, you know, but I want to win. You may wish you can win, but you, you know, we don't always, uh, you know, uh, we don't always get, you know, wishes don't make it. So we have to do what is right. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't always have what we wish for. We have to do what is right. Like just sweet switching the language in that scene. And then while she's there at the end with Max Lord, like it doesn't have to be truth because that's just doesn't quite fit. Like it just is like a little off. It's like the puzzle pieces that like, yeah, you can Mm -hmm. wedge the circle into the square block, but it doesn't really fit. Um, (laughs) And sorry, I've been doing puzzles with my daughter. It's in the head. Um, You know, and then like while she's there with Max, like just having like, her, you know, that memory of her mother saying that to her or Antiope saying that to her coming back and be like, okay, or, you know, or the scene with, with uh, Steve, like, you know, this is my wish, but it can't be, but we've taken this person's life away. It can't be, it can't be so it's not right, even though it's right. my wish. Like having any of that tie in. And it, I get that they really wanted, because the, the Themyscira scenes were some of the most popular in the first movie, they just like had to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fantastic. I loved it, but it would have been so easy to just, alter it so it did have an impact and there was a reason for it to be there yeah you could have also i mean you could have easily switched around that steve doesn't want to leave her Mm -hmm. versus her being like hey oh no i've made an i i done a whoopsie 
mm-hmm. uh, I guess I'll have to renounce my wish. And Steve was like, no, 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 Diana, I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, like I want to stay. I want to stay with you instead of it being her, you know, whining about having to lose him. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's kind of like the, it's like in Man of Steel, the conversation between Jonathan Kent and Clark after yes. the kids from the bus. Like you switch that around, it actually gives the character more agency. You know, that, and that's the thing. They seem to really not understand the characters when they're that, setting things up. That's exact word I was trying to think of, Sam. <laughs> agency. <laughs> I, I didn't feel Diana had enough agency in this movie at all. Mm. Like, even, even when she was supposed to be, like, front and center, she or... really wasn't. Like, I don't know. It was disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, what if they had approached the... Uh the Chris Pine stuff with maybe Chris doesn't want to be there. I mean, he got ripped out of wherever he was from to come back. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he was happy there. You know, you know mm-hmm. like he didn't get a choice in this. We established yeah. pseudo heaven, I guess maybe. Well, yeah. yeah. He knows he was somewhere, but he can't remember it while he's like living. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the big problem, like, like she is reactionary through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Everything's happening and she is reacting to the things that are happening. Um, she never takes actions that influence the plot other than the end. Um, well, and, and, that and even her treatment takes- of Barbara is she's very dismissive of Barbara, just like mm-hmm. everybody else, until she yeah. wants something from her. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, you've got this thing that I'm interested in. So now I'm going to hang out with you and we're going to, you know, because I want to take a look at it and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I feel kind of bad, like about like how they like even in that aspect of how they were treating Diana. The only time I really thought that like Diana was great was in that initial scene where we see her, you know, like saving people, fighting crime crime you know doing the whole mall thing and 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 being like the traditional hero and you know standing with the hands on the hips and all that you know like that was that was wonderful that was beautiful and then it's like through the rest of the movie she seemed very selfish and and like I say we didn't have the action like the cool we didn't have the analog for the no man's land scene or anything like that to even give us the cool physical because I mean this is the thing about Gal Gadot She's astonishingly beautiful, but also can pull off, even though she doesn't look like what Wonder Woman would look like, you know, translated from a comic book, you know, she's not as tall and doesn't look as muscled as she would in real life. She could, she, she seems to give that impression on screen that mm-hmm. she is this powerful, you know, character. And so she does both sides of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 you know, but we didn't get that power. I mean, I get that was part of the storyline is she was losing her power, but we never got yeah. that even when she was restored. And so that's well, why I didn't, you know. They relied you... so much on CGI to do the fighting for them. And, and the thing is like where we've gotten in terms of how we consume movies these days, it's like you watch like the Daredevil, uh, the Daredevil series, the original mm-hmm. series, and that fight scene through the corridor. Mm-hmm. The reason everyone responded to is because it is a visceral fight like you feel every punch you're there with them the whole way through they understood how to make that character feel real through his fighting because how he fights is very much indicative of matt murdoch with uh with wonder woman yes there's a lot of fantastical stuff but you don't have to rely on cgi to tell that the whole time and the problem with the dc movies especially is they haven't figured out how to make those fights feel real to the audience because we we just see cgi and you can't you can't latch onto a cgi 
mock-up. Like it just doesn't feel the same. And watching the, and especially because the CGI looks so terrible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like again, again, her running and her speed, like her speed run is just, <laughs> no. It reminded me of the greatest American hero, which is this <laughs> cheesy show from the eighties where whenever he would have to run fast, they literally put him on a treadmill, but you only see him from the waist up. And yeah. he's doing, he's miming this as he's going along the ground at like yeah. a speed that like doesn't, it doesn't well, look like it's synced up at all. Even her established, even her figuring out how to fly like it doesn't emotionally resonate with you no. because again it's situated around steve like mm-hmm. all of her powers are situated around men and it's like i figured out invisibility because zeus i figured out flight because steve yeah. um I, I figured out how to tie my shoes because this one dude said something to me i think i don't know <laughs> yeah but it just it just gets so repetitive yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not empowering it's not hopeful it's just like okay she's standing there like this in front of a green screen and miming like (laughs) you know what i wanted to see though that actually like we didn't get any hints of or anything about in this movie was to actually treat this as a sequel to the first one and say hey with all the stuff going on in the 80s was diana right in her thing with air like like there was never a question of you know the whole thing with aries was humanity doesn't deserve to live because when Mm -hmm. left to their own devices humanity is destructive and you know you see pollution you see the the rampant you know greed and 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 you know the the predatory nature of people on people and everything and for her to like have lived within humanity all that time i wanted us to go back to that question yeah you know and and to have that be a thematic element of the movie and that 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 element was not in the movie at all hell like what if another amazon from themiscara left and found diana like mm-hmm. and yeah. then she's introducing that amazon to the world of the 80s and then you could have like completely piggybacked off of the world war one sentiments of like war and greed and selfishness and everything and have that diana be contrasted with this amazon you know that for whatever reason found their way i feel like they tried to do that when she's showing steve around right mm-hmm. it was almost supposed to be a flip of her showing around him showing her around london Mm-hmm. in what 1914 or whatever yeah. 1916 but it wasn't right because all it was was the surface level stuff mm-hmm. it was like well that's a garbage can like it, but yeah there's where's all this wisdom and knowledge and insight she's you know been collecting the last 70 years like none of that's really mentioned yeah like yeah the only part when they kind of got close to that is when they go to the smithsonian and he's seeing the mm-hmm. space travel stuff yeah. mm-hmm. for like a moment like yeah i can 100 percent see her being like Steve, yeah. I've got to show you this. Like you right. thought that planes were cool. Look what we can do now. Like that was for just like, it's yeah. like a 30 second thing. But just for a moment, you've got like this, just like taste yeah. of what it could have been. Like what was she it. like during the Kennedy years when it was all like hope and we're going to the moon and the, yeah. all that stuff. I mean, that would have been more worth mm-hmm. exploring, you know, in terms of like, this is what, if, if humanity was killed when Aries wanted to, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have these moments of, you know, of hopefulness, of humanity coming together, wanting to go, yeah, the space race, the Russians, (laughs) 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 but, but it, I mean, those are those things that you could have expanded on Mm -hmm. with Diana through that lens of having, of being virtually immortal and, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to have those insights through another character who doesn't have that, that insight to, to have gleaned yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, while, while I'm watching this thing, or this movie, uh, 
every time or like everything that I see just seems to be borrowed from other movies or other characters. Wonder Woman is a very deep and and unique character, but they're not really relying on what she is for her movies. You know, like you see her Spider-Manning through the city with her lasso. <laughs> and like, yeah, that's something she can do, but you see that and you think Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like when she starts spinning her lasso and using that to fly, I see that and I think Thor because that's how he flies. And again, yeah, that's something that she can do, but they didn't really rely on what is like truly unique to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Like I, like I did get, you know, like kind of like, like a warrior bearing from her, like how she held herself, how she carried herself. And that looked very impressive and cool. She probably got that from, uh, uh, Godot is in the military for a while, so uh, yeah. So she probably borrowed some from that, but that was cool. Like she carried herself well, but like it didn't really feel like a Wonder Woman movie should feel like. This is just like, oh well, this kind of cool stuff happened in other superhero movies, so let's do it too. Mm. Yeah, I, I, w- I would say there isn't really much that was unique to it either. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of surprised that Steve never even asked about his old friends from yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did they turn like, out? How is Etta? Like, what happened with her? She was have that a happy the life? picture? They showed a picture with, with, yeah. with her and a very old woman, and I thought that was supposed to be Etta, but I wasn't sure. It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was assuming it was. And I guess she was friends with Etta and never made a friend again. Right. <laughs> But that was because of the connection with Steve. She also visited Steve's folks. We saw the yeah. picture of her at, at Steve's ranch, you know, the Trevor Ranch or whatever. And it's just like, so her whole life is revolved around all the connections to Steve. And and like, I, I, I kind of made my wife mad while we were watching it. Because like every time uh, Diana would do something that, you know, like where she could have flown, I'm like, she can fly. like hey she's like she's whipping around the mall with her lasso and it looks cool but she can fly Mm -hmm. and they're talking about the invisible jet but she can fly Mm -hmm. and and she's web slinging from lightning bolts and like oh like okay that was cool i but she can fly i'm surprised i haven't heard well i also don't read tons of reviews i try to avoid them for the most part, but I'm surprised I haven't heard more people up to this point complaining about exactly what you're saying, Eric, because let's let's ignore the fact that the entire movie had her discovering powers because of men. If if that was not there, why was that? Why were her powers not? Why doesn't she have them now 70 years later, right? Because that mm-hmm. was one of the biggest complaints people had about the first movie was they were like, we want to see more of her learning her powers and Themyscira and de- developing and growing. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, it's like a lot of people didn't mention that this time until maybe now. Like now people are like, like you, Eric, like she could always do this. Like <laughs> It's like she's struggling against those two tanks as they're barreling down towards the kids. It's like she is almost as fast as Superman, who is faster than fast itself. And she is strong enough to carry each of these things in one hand, but she's 
openly str- uh, yeah she's losing her powers a little bit but on and off th- that that yeah. scene horrified me because the way she lands with the kids she landed oh, kid side <laughs> down yep. and i was like i don't care how strong she is those kids are dead like, like that was no so way. weird like like, like how did they not have her weird, land like, back to the thing to the, then they could say she cushioned them somehow or it was something such a weird like doll squish too, <laughs> to like the, the physics of it i was like Oh no! I I don't usually gasp at movies. I gasp at that because it was children, and they like just like like she murdered those kids, and it's like oh they're fine. I'm like how they landed on the concrete. Actually, it's fine. They're they're made of CGI. They're fine. (laughs) But even if you ignore the fact that she landed on them. The speed at which she was traveling relative well, yeah. to them, but that's, they're that's still a common. I, I get it, but that's the common superhero <laughs> thing of people save people by just like reaching up and catching them, even though it's like at that no, speed they would still die. No, we're going to actual real world physics to this. Right. This movie has done. <laughs> well, that's also not with their backs against concrete and as right. someone or, or, or asphalt. And as someone who's ridden motorcycles and seen mm. what any type of velocity and and asphalt yeah. do, like. See, she should have definitely had her back to the, the asphalt thing, like, for any of that. When a movie is like this, when it it can't even capture your attention to like a, a bigger story or anything, you notice things like this because right. yeah. the rest of the movie hasn't grabbed you and it hasn't made you not think about those because all you have now is the the physics of this like how, <laughs> how? you know what you know it's funny that exact scene my husband's one of his biggest complaints always is how guns are represented in hollywood and i know that's a controversial separate topic altogether but he is a hunter and he does it legally and everything here in arizona and one of his biggest complaints was the the chase scene in the desert where she wraps her lasso around the missile and she, he's like that's not how those missiles work that's not how they look that's not how they're composed he's like i get it. it's supposed to be a superhero movie he's like but i can't even believe it right now and yeah that's part of the problem like if you can't pull on to the bigger story you're gonna start seeing all these little issues i didn't the first time i watched it because i was like well that was fun but now yes we're all nitpicking it and there's a reason for that yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right. So, so let's, physics major. <laughs> all right. So let's let's try and shift things to that hopeful, you know, mindset that we are trying to uh, get to. What what do we, you know? Because it's gonna there's gonna be a third movie. They've already announced it. It was probably really great for this movie that they actually did release it through streaming rather than two theaters. Because I have a bad feeling that the opening weekend would have been tremendous, and then it would have fallen like super fast. I think they were saying it, was, it already has dropped in terms of like like. Uh, whatever however the metrics are in hbo max like it's already mm. dropped like 67 percent yeah yeah and that's i mean it's and it's not good i mean but it's probably better for them because they can always say oh it's covid's fault you know oh, it's sorry. covid and you know with streaming instead of theaters and all that so they can kind of like hand wave it but th- they've already said there's going to be a wonder woman 3 so just a few things. What would you like to see in Wonder Woman 3? And try not to make them snipey about this movie. Try to make them like actual wishes of, you know, like, you know, well, what... know what happens when you wish. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, no. All right. <laughs> All right. power gets sucked out of the next movie and we don't get a good one. <laughs> the next movie stars only men, even Wonder yeah. Woman. <laughs> no, why? I mean, that's the guy in drag. <laughs> They just they bring in Batman for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, Michael Keaton will play you? Wonder Woman. <laughs> All right, so third movie, good thing that I'd like to see. Yeah. Hands down, interaction between Godot and Carter. Mm. I think that would be great. 
not really sure what they would do for that, but you know, just some kind of interaction between them would would get me excited anyway. And Carter, who what? Linda, Linda Carter. Carter. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mention the post credits thing because we're going a little bit long. But after and see, I watched this a little late, uh, you know. So I actually saw a lot of people commenting on how they didn't like it, you know, going into it, and I was kind of like, everyone was like, "Oh, but wait, wait for the mid credit scene because that's like so great, so wonderful." I was kind of meh on the mid credit scene. It's okay, Linda Carter. I don't, I don't think it's gonna do anything. I right. Think it's just, hey, remember Linda Carter? She played right. Wonder Woman that one time. And I like Linda Carter, but she's not a very good actress. Right, and that's my thing. After having watched her on Supergirl, I'm like, Linda Carter? Like, I never watched the 77 Wonder Woman. It was before my time, and, and you know, so I realize it's available on streaming now, and I could watch it. But, um, but yeah, I never watched it, and seeing her on Supergirl, it was like, ooh, she's, she's kind of awful. <laughs> but anyway. Um, she's not 2000s good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually preferred her in Sky High for her brief part, but uh, anyway, mm. <laughs> um, Brie, uh, uh, what would you like to see in Wonder Woman 3? I was going to reference kind of what Eric did, um, because was it was it Sam or, or Kimi? One of you said, why didn't Diana, why didn't another Amazonian warrior leave the mascara? Mm -hmm. And why didn't Diana meet her? That apparently was, what's, what's this character's name? Carter did that Apoleta, was her or... yeah something like that Apollo or whatever wisteria or his Asteria. Asteria so apparently that was her she did leave the mascara or somehow was never there whatever right um so it would be nice to see them interact because that would be um two Amazon warriors interacting with each other which would be super cool because that hasn't really happened since the first movie when Diana was an adult um but I think just in general I'd like to see I'd like to see better character development and continuity with more of a focus on a, a female villain or a female friend at minimum, because I was not a fan of Captain Marvel for many reasons, but they at least had her friend be a female and it was a good relationship. And we, that was just really missing here was some good female friend or even you know, like a Batman and Robin situation. Heck, she could even be as, as cool as like Robin's a setup, right? But they don't even have that. They didn't even have that for Barbara. So I really would like to see something better. It's like funny because my wife and I have watched Young Justice. And uh, so my, my I was never aware that there was a Wonder Girl. I'd never even heard of Wonder Girl before, but we saw Young Justice and there's a character Wonder Girl. And my wife was like, oh, is this how we get Wonder Girl when Kristen Wiig wished? Because my wife doesn't read anything on, you know, anything and doesn't know like what the movies are about or anything until we watch them. And and so she didn't know that, you know, but I was, I, I just thought that was funny because I was like, I felt like Kristen Wiig's like villain arc was really well telegraphed and the fact that she's, you know, significantly older than Gal Gadot. I was like, there's nothing really Wonder Girl about her, I think, but okay. But yeah, no, but having a Wonder Girl type character in the movie would be interesting. Yeah. They could use Artemis. Yeah. Yep. Um, but Sam, uh, what about you, uh, third Wonder Woman? Um, I mean, a lot of the same things that we've been talking about here. Like, I mean, just... I, I know that they got rid of the gods or whatever, but, you know, they're gods they can come back. They always come back. Um, again, it's a comic book universe of movies. There's, there's gotta be some other female villains out there that you can, you can get a hold of and utilize to your advantage because I mean, oh God, there's Giganta. 
Um, but, uh, man, she would have been awesome. Uh, but there's also other female heroes you could bring in if you wanted to have, you know, Hawk Girl. You could have Vixen. You could, I mean, there's a uh, Nubia, um, like all of these other Wonder Women that you could you know, bring in as well. So very much what Brie was saying, you know, a, a friend or foe that is female at minimum, you know, maybe two, if we could just hope, like, <laughs> that would be great as well. <laughs> and, and again, like, if you're going to continue to go with this, like, heteronormative, you know, heterosexual relationship thing with Wonder Woman, fine, but make the love interest count, like, make it matter. It's like, and I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I do, like, at this point, Wonder Woman can have whoever she wants. She's Wonder Woman. Um, but please, if you're going to go that angle, make everything count. Make the story make sense. Make the love interest important that we care about them if they live or die. <laughs> like, it would be very nice. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, I know with a lot of superhero movies that there's that tendency to do the, the big third act, you know, um, kill them up, sorty gun thingy. Um, and I'm not immune to that. I love action movies. Obviously, I watch these. But you got to find other ways for Wonder Woman to solve her problems. She's not Superman. She's not Batman. She's Wonder Woman. She does her own thing. And that's why we love her. So please find another way. <laughs> yeah, I should make sure that I say that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the resolution always has to be a big action sequence, but I wanted a big, awesome-looking action sequence yeah, somewhere no, in the movie. It's, it's more in terms of, like again, like what we've been talking about, the setup and payoff. Right. Like, the setup did not earn the payoff, or, or the other way around. Either You know, that's the thing with Wonder Woman. Again, like I said, an intimate story is just fine. You don't have to make it the world is in danger. It can right. literally just be the life of one person and that would still be just as important to Diana. Mm -hmm. well, good call. Uh, Kimmy, what about you? Um, I want to see Diana happy, um, enjoying her life, like even though she has to deal with you know scary things and save people. Um, and I, I, I also would love you know, more um, non-men centered things. And I, I want her to be reunited with her mother somehow, even if it's for a small amount of time, because I think that's a huge character motivation for Diana. Um, and I would love Nubia hundred percent, whether there's a couple of different ways they could do it. Um, in the comics, there's uh, a separate um, tribe of Amazons that never made it to Themyscira and they're not immortal and they've been living in the world, whether like they somehow she finds them somehow and maybe they've hidden themselves in modern society or maybe they're hidden away somewhere in the wilderness who knows or you know she's you know been gone for so long that they found another you know they, they had another games and the person that is their new golden warrior is you know nubia and they they send her out in the world to look for diana or something so there's lots of ways to incorporate um nubia as a character as like another badass powerful fighter probably with some you know magic of the gods if they've got some artifacts or something and just having diana have that peer to fight with um that's a non-man and definitely a woman of color would be fantastic i would love that 
Very cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I think, well, first of all, I've kind of been decrying the need for love interests in these movies for quite a while, especially when you've already done it in one of them. And unless you're going to have the person settle down, like, you know, with just that one person and like, no, just stop. Like when they announced that uh, Rachel Adams is coming back in Doctor Strange 2, I'm like, no, no, they finished that relationship in the first movie where he's like, no, I'm going off to do this thing. And, and you know, that was fine. Like Doctor Strange 2 doesn't need a love interest. Uh, well, women won't watch those movies unless they're love interests. Uh, you know how so, metrics work? So, we so, need so, romance. Yeah. Like Sam, I don't feel like it's inherently wrong to have a love interest, but I would really love for the third movie and probably the final movie, you know, to be just Diana without a love interest. We don't need that. You know, have a friend great you know give her a cool female friend give her another wonder you know character amazonian character in there something like that great but it's certainly since we've already seen the problem and we try to have too many like like things going on at once that the script's kind of hard to like center you know a love interest is an easy thing to cut out you know um yeah. <laughs> unless you're gonna have it be so central to the plot could you imagine one... if they tried to bring in donna troy <laughs> how messed up that would be <laughs> yeah so that's you know that's <laughs> i think that's why that's why i think that's why the love interest worked so well in the first movie is mm. it wasn't central right yeah like if you'd take if you'd removed the love between them from that like everything still would have happened as it happened yeah mm -hmm. like her motivation was not the love it was to do the right thing his motivation was not to fall in love with her he wanted to do the right thing and thought she could help end the war like like it was just like a little bit of frosting on the top yeah. Um, right. And it yeah. can be done well. I'm just saying, since they've made two movies where, you know, uh, about, you know, Steve or what I, it's just, I mean, I get the first one wasn't about Steve. No, this time he's back. He's back for real. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even yeah. if it's not Steve, I don't need like now we have to establish a new love and uh, that, that yeah, takes time like, and you know everything. If they're not going to bring Steve back and do a Captain America thing where he goes back and ends up marrying Agent Carter, fine, <laughs> and they have a happy ending. Don't bring him back. Like, like, oh, but now there's cloning because now we're setting this in 2023, and now like, you know, like I'm going to clone that. Steve. They're going to find a way to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got Chris Pine under contract. <laughs> and we will bring him back. I'm just uh, saying that actually sounds way more plausible, even though you're laughing at it. <laughs> but okay, but 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 the real Amanda thing. Amanda Waller found some of Steve's. <laughs> well, dead. actually, if they if they tie it in with Waller, then actually that does kind of start becoming a, a plot that sounds like a like an is, actual if plot. If Amanda Waller showed up. Oh man! I well, yeah, because then another so strong much. female character in the thing, you know, in the movie, that would be great. Um, like this chick knows what she's doing. She would be a great foil for Diana. <laughs> as long as it wasn't the exact same Waller that they used in Suicide Squad, because I felt that oh, I was a bad. Oh, yeah, I thought she was fine. Was, she she was not the feelings. problem with that movie. <laughs> the the actress uh, is great. Like yeah. Viola Davis can oh, be. Oh, no, yeah, the actress is great, but just like that interpretation of yeah of, of the character, I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, the same. Founder is still alive and kicking. You can still bring her in and reprise the role in live action. <laughs> okay, so um, but but yeah, my real thing, the real thing that I want them to do is to play with the mythology. I'm a huge fan of things like gargoyles and the librarians. I love the idea of the mythic and the historical, like being one and the same, and and to have these sorts of like artifacts and whatnot. So um. 
you know, creatures, artifacts, whatever. It, it, it doesn't have to be tied directly to one of the Greek gods. There's a huge amount of Greek mythology that, you know, is about monsters, you know, uh, various what? creatures of different types, <laughs> you know, there's all oh, different characters, you know, Cersei was brought up, you know, like all sorts of different, you know, powerful beings of, of various kinds. So bring in one of them. That would be great because then we're dealing with something that feels more uniquely Wonder Woman to a point that Eric was making before because it deals with a superhero story dealing with a mythological element. Um, yes, that. Yes, definitely. Give her a villain that you doesn't require depowering Wonder mm -hmm. Woman to make it an interesting yeah. fight. But let her use her full abilities. Greek Greek myth has so like I mean again you <laughs> there are harpies, there are minotaurs, mm -hmm. there are giants, monsters. Like there's so much you could mine from this, and it doesn't even have to be related to a specific god. Mm -hmm. It's just Greek myth. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have this vase that depicts this thing. And oh no, they've come out of the vase. Gorgons. <laughs> There's a reason the Romans stole all the Greek right? stories. <laughs> like, well, their mythology is way cooler than ours. Let's take that. <laughs> and myth has always been used as allegory. I mean, right. for the love of God, Plato and Aristotle and so Socrates, like all these people have used mythology as a means of telling stories about the real world. <laughs> what mm -hmm. are you gonna do, Hollywood? <laughs> Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what i really want for the third movie i want it to come into the present time which patty jenkins has already said third movie will be in the present time and i think she even said that there is going to be something between diana like like somehow diana will meet the amazons again i i think she said that i don't think i'm making that up um so i think those two things we know are going to happen but how that's all going to be pulled off i don't know but yeah well, that's got an invisible jet now i mean why not <laughs> She made it invisible. She should be able to see the invisible island again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would at least give the invisible jet a point. <laughs> so, she uh, yeah. it in Justice League, doesn't she? Uh, she the, the, I don't recall her using it in the Justice League movie, but. Was that jet still invisible when she landed it? How she can <laughs> find it? There was so I used to work for the Museum of Flight uh, in Seattle, and there was an April Fool's joke that they did a couple of years back that was amazing. Where they're like, uh, "We just found the invisible jet, and we put it up in the Museum of Flight." Nice. <laughs> so good. I was like, "Well done." This is an April Fool's joke that I like. <laughs> okay. All right. So really quick, is there something that someone is just dying to say about this movie, Wonder Woman eighty four, that we haven't said yet? How come it doesn't reference Orwell? <laughs> okay. I don't understand. <laughs> Especially with all the Orwellian references going on in 2020. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's but, true. But I guess, you know what? Too political, so. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Actually, Woman yeah. is apolitical, except when she's not. <laughs> Wonder Woman in Orwell's 1984. Now that would be an interesting Ooh. story. <laughs> all right but uh all right we've been going on quite a while with this one so uh let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us um so let's start with you kimmy uh say goodbye and let people know where they can find you uh goodbye my name is kimmy um i go by golden lasso girl on the internet um i tweet about all manner of things um and yeah i have a game company called golden lasso games you can find that at golden i cosplay um my instagram is golden lasso girl 
girl. That's where you can see most of my actual cosplay. I used to have a blog and posted stuff on it. I haven't done that in like two years. Once a bunch of Snyder fans decided to yell at me one time. And that was a whole and thing. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You get like quoted in people for critiquing, you know, the, the Amazon's outfits in uh, justice league and suddenly Snyder fans don't like you anymore. Um, but, uh, and then um, I'm also on the Happy Jacks RPG podcast pretty often, and we talk about role-playing games. Um, we also have a selection of APs of all different systems. And yeah, that's most of my stuff right now. So yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Uh, Sam, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, goodbye, everybody. I, I hope you enjoyed the continuing rants of Samantha Cross. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter mostly because I've given up on Facebook entirely. Uh, Twitter at darling underscore Sammy, uh, S-A-M-M-Y. I tweet about all manner of things, uh, do a lot of uh, archives related stuff as well because I'm an editor at large for the Society of American Archivists Review Board. Um, trying to encourage more writing about um, archivists and archives and pop culture because representation matters, obviously, and the way that your profession is depicted and how you're depicted also goes towards how people think your art, your uh, profession functions in the world. Uh, see anything written about Indiana Jones, um, who, again, not an archivist, <laughs> an archaeologist. Um, but uh, yeah, and you can also uh, go to my website, uh, www.pop slash, uh, not slash, pop-archives.com, uh, where uh, all of those articles are up. I think the most recent one is still about Hades? No, 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 Christmas Chronicles. That's what it was. Uh, Christmas Chronicles, and I have a couple that are coming out about some video games that I've recently played that will oddly enough, feature archives in them. Video games have been great for archives right now. So uh, yeah, go check it out there. All right, very cool. And Bree, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, bye everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to do so. Um, I'm not, I kind of took a small step back from the internet the last couple of years. I'm technically on Facebook, but I don't use it anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm technically on Twitter. I'm not on it, but I might in future sort of get back to it. That if you want to follow me, I'm at Brie Brower, B-R-O-U-W-E-R, -E because it's a Dutch name and a lot of people don't know how to spell it. <laughs> um, so I'm there. I'm technically also at my own website, but it's my freelancing website. Same thing, BrieBrower.com. If you want to see me dressed in some 40s and 50s and 60s outfits, I've got a couple of pictures there. Have fun, whatever. Um, I might eventually start a blog about vintage fashion and lifestyle. It's it's kind of already a dominated market, but when you love something, why not start it anyway and see where it goes? So I have the domain name for that, but I haven't really launched it yet. So maybe in the future, uh, listeners will get that URL. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of dominated markets that you don't want to do because you love it. That's why I'm podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get back into that game and I'm just like, oh no. What have you done, Sam? <laughs> but I love sci-fi and fantasy and geekery. So I'll keep talking about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Eric, uh, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Oh, well, uh, like everyone else said, thanks for listening. And my internet presence is non-existent. You can't find me anywhere but here. So if you want more, keep listening. Okay. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Kimmy, Sam, uh, Bree, and Eric for being on the episode. It was a lot of fun.
Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And that's Thank a wrap you. on our Wonder Woman 84 episode. We hope that you liked it, and you can let us know what you thought in a variety of different ways. One way is by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. You can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us at 42cast. You can go to our Instagram, also at 42cast. Or you can go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave us feedback on any of the episodes. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or on Apple Podcasts. And with Apple Podcasts, your reviews actually help get us promoted. The more reviews that we have, the more that they'll let people know about the 42 cast, they'll recommend the 42 cast. So it really does help. Would really appreciate if you would do that. But yes, I also want to let you know about the ESO Patreon, patreon.com slash ESO Network. It's a way that you can help all the shows on the network by just donating whatever you have available. It allows you access to certain episodes that are just there. Sometimes it's early episodes. There's a whole podcast that the network does with the uh, board of directors for the network. That's a fun podcast that they do that, again, is only accessible if you have one of the Patreon tiers. So you can go to the website. You can check it out. You can see if it's something that you want to participate in. And uh, if you can, we'd all really appreciate it. I also want to let everyone know about Time Streams, which is my other podcast, which is where myself and my friend Juliet, we go through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We're talking about the first season right now, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You don't have to have seen the episode in question, although it certainly does help. But I know a lot of people don't like getting into those very, very old episodes, and since we're on the very first season from 1963, I understand we explain everything that happens in the episode to you. So if you just want to go because you're interested in Doctor Who and you want to know what happens, you want to hear our banter, come for that. It's a lot of fun. And I think that you'll enjoy it. Oh, I should also mention again that the podcast is now available from Pandora. That was something that happened just recently. So just want to let everybody know in case that you have friends or whatever, that for whatever reason, they don't have access to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify and they want another way of listening to it, then there you go. You can recommend it to them on Pandora. If it's easier for you to listen to it on Pandora, you can do that too. Just letting you know, Pandora is another option that we've got now, and so that's kind of exciting, but just let you know about that. But that's a wrap for our episode this week. Join us back next week when John Leeson will not be joining us, and until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2020 got a question for the ultimate answer contact us at everything at 42 cast.com theme music is sharper swords by brandon ellis check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com the 42 cast is a proud member of the eso network has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.